Spoilers. Welcome to Sloppy Spoilers with your host, DT2. What's up, y'all? DT2 Comics Chat here. Welcome to another episode of Sloppy Spoilers. In this episode, we're going to we're continuing our review of the Alien series, and we're going to be talking about Alien versus Predator Requiem, or Alien versus Predator Two, or Alien versus Predator. Why am I still watching this? Uh, I like to <laughs> welcome my co-host to the show. Welcome to David Nemesis Howard. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so I watched this show for the first time today, and uh, I am poor for it in a lot of ways. <laughs> so I got a lot to say about this movie. Um, wow, woof! That's wow, all I gotta say. <laughs> wow, welcome to Steve Chadwick Sellers. What's going on, Steve? Well, I have to say that uh, Requiem is the perfect title because this movie is Requiem and Pace uh, for the entire Alien franchise and probably for Predator as well. This movie we was to, terrible. We tried to tell y'all that Alien 3 was was the signal, but they kept making them anyway. Welcome to Jeff, Dr. Faye Bracey. Hello out there in TV land, be it internet or otherwise, and I'm going to go completely against the grain by telling you I like this movie. Dun, dun, okay, dun, dun. Now, we, we, we're going to take a deep dive. Don't worry. <laughs> Every franchise, unless <clears throat> the only exceptions are franchises that are co controlled tightly, completely by the same showrunner or director from beginning to end, uh, like Mad Men or uh, more specifically Breaking Bad. Those are always the exception and not the rule. But when you have someone that conceived the show and they're the showrunner and they stay on from beginning to end, you at least have, most of the time, a more cohesive through line. That's obviously harder with movies, okay? Unless you do like Peter Jackson in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I recommend for a whole lot of these things. I wish they shot them all at once. Just sequester the actors and just shoot until you have three movies and then release them, whatever, but then the, there doesn't have to be that much of a time gap and the actor's gonna look the same and you'll feel an organic texture in the films if you shoot them that way. But of course, that's the exception and not the rule. So by the time we get to this film, it's, it's, it's actually very hard to describe what it's become. It's like, it's like a parody of a parody. It's like a bad SNL skit. It's like, Let's throw every stereotype under the sun, every trope that we've ever known, you know, from the the, the angry or not the angry, the, the 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 horny arguing high school kids to <laughs> to Diet Ripley to you know the generic Marines to ju just everything about it was like there's not one original idea in this film, even the idea of the Predator Cleaner, which we're going to get into because that was the only part that I liked. But even that didn't make any sense. And the reason I brought up the thing about a through line is because when you stack Alien versus Predator versus Alien versus Predator Requiem, it makes literally no sense. No sense. You can't have both of those stories in the same universe. You would have had to pick one. 
So I explained what I mean by that, but we're going to start off like we normally do with some first impressions. My first impressions of this film were, if I could <clears throat> sum it up in one word, I would have to say it was unnecessary. Everything I saw in the film, I was just like, it was not necessary. Do we learn anything new? And then there's this one really gross, disgusting scene, which we're going to talk about, which is pretty much kind of the, the thing you remember this movie for. Once you see this movie, you're going to remember the one scene right in the middle that just is not necessary. And by the time you get to movies in, you have to ask yourself, what have we learned? What's changed? What's different? You know, it's just not necessary. And so, you know, it's one of those, we really wish they had quit while they were quote unquote ahead, but that was aliens and the first predator. They should have quit there. But anyway, so, you know, another thing I'll say about this movie is it is dark in every sense of the word. It's got a dark script, but it's lit so poorly. And I know we're going to talk about that until half the time you can't even see what's going on. And I guess it was trying to have some dark comedy, I guess. I don't know. But it's just not necessary. It's just not on, on no level. When, <clears throat> it's just like a character in a story. If you can take the character out and it's the same story, that character is extraneous. Okay. Good writing will have the characters serving a purpose and a function, a reason for them to be there. Okay. There's no reason for this movie to exist and there's no reason for anybody in it to be there. And, uh, you know, so I want to hear from my co-hosts. So let me hear your thoughts, your first initial thoughts on watching this film. Some of us have seen it many times. Some of us, this was our first viewing for the review. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, so let me hear what you have to say, Nemesis. First impressions. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on, on, um, uh, you know, these movies tie, you know, tying together. My real problem now that we've gotten it, let's see, how many movies are we in now? We're six movies in. So you had the first movie, uh, Aliens, which was a horror movie, a sci-fi horror, you know, kind of groundbreaking. Then James Cameron changes it up and makes it into a, a, a war movie or an, an action war movie type thing. Really good. Does a great job. Different genre. Okay. Then we have Aliens 3 and it becomes some sort of postmodern dystopian thing and it's like whoa okay alien four then comes in and tries to do the blade runner you know whatever thing and then we have avp which is a video game movie and now this one this is basically i mean steve shadewig and i were talking about this i was like they're at camp crystal lake this is freddy versus jason <laughs> with aliens and predators you know and and, mm -hmm. and it really felt like that so it's like that's part of what's really off-putting to me is like Every movie in the franchise has been a different genre. Every single one, to the point where this movie, we had everything that a slasher flick has. We had the female character who's a bad girl who takes her clothes off and ends up dying because of it because she broke that rule. rule. We've got uh, all the teenage angst, which I hate. I mean, mm -hmm. the, on top of Crystal Lake, we had to throw in like Melrose Place or or dawson's creek or something into it you know i was waiting for it here doo -doo 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 -doo, <laughs> you know and then uh you know so you got all that going on then every time the alien the xenomorph makes a kill they come up behind somebody and pose you know for the screen for the zoom right. shot in and right. the person turns around and they're looking at him like you know no scream or anything waiting to just get slaughtered i was like put a hockey mask on the xenomorph and it's jason you know so i'm like it was just there were so many things and that was just the genre. And then 
the little continuity things. I mean, there were tons of little mistakes. Obviously, this movie was not written, and we could get into those like things, military things that were kind of crazy, and it just that made no sense. But you know, and, and the cleaner, the mafia predator guy, you know, doing he wasn't acting consistently through the whole movie. You know, so he's like he, he's burning and putting acid on people one time, and then he's putting a skin body up in a tree the next time. I'm like. Dude, what, what are you doing? I thought you were trying to keep it on the down low, but now you're skinning people and putting them up in the tree? I mean, what, what is that about? So, yeah, it's just – I was very confused. And this was the first time I've watched it, and I do remember that I, I think I tried to watch it when it, a while ago, and I got through five minutes, and I skipped to the end and then turned it off, which is never a good <laughs> sign. So. We're going to talk about Mafia Cleaner Predator because that was the only part that I liked, but he was still inconsistent. Go ahead, Bracey, your first impressions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, this is a guilty pleasure for me. I love this movie. And maybe I love it because of AV1, AVP1. Uh, if there was no Alien versus Predator, might have been a different opinion. But my expectations were so ruined by that film <laughs> that I love this movie. This movie for me is Godzilla versus Kong. Uh this is uh, dog soldiers. This is well, actually, dog soldiers a bit smarter. Uh, you know, this is this is Van Helsing. Uh, these are all the great monster fight movies that I always loved as a kid. I am willing to ignore the human characters who don't matter because they've written them so that they don't matter. I'm willing to ignore the inconsistencies in the characteristics, even amongst the uh, even with the. By the way, the cleaner predator is called the wolf. Uh, named so after Harvey Keitel's character in uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, I'm, I'm, ab I'm able to ignore the wolf's uh, incongruous actions uh, just because I'm just having a good time after that last film, which was <laughs> had some cool ideas, but it was very dissatisfying to me. And then when you add it up between uh, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, AVP, I get this movie... And I'm like, yeah, at least now I'm finally getting something I want. Uh, this movie gets back to the roots of being a horror. Camp Crystal Lake is very appropriate because this is a slasher movie now, but it's also kind of a zombie movie because you've got a, a horde of enemies coming in. Uh, the director of this film hated the way that the previous movie was too well lit, too many static camera shots. Uh, he wanted to go for that more documentary style, like, uh, you know, handheld cameras, dark, definitely too dark in some places because uh, there's action I would have preferred to have seen better. Uh, but I like the fact that this movie had uh, the balls and the teeth to get dirty and nasty, even with these characters that you don't really care about that much. Yeah, like, they, you know, this movie's killing kids. It's killing infants. It's killing pregnant women. It's killing people that you think for sure by, like, the, you know, the algorithms of, like, a Hollywood script are going to make it. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm totally in. This movie is horribly, horribly flawed, but I am in it. Let's keep going. But they didn't kill the dog. <laughs> they didn't they kill, didn't the, dog. kill oh, the dog. I have an answer. Uh, uh, I have an answer to you. Uh, the, the reason why everybody kept their mouth open is like, because in space, no one can hear you. Oh, wait, we're on Earth again. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can have a cracked tooth and you need a root canal and somebody punches you in the jaw. You can feel better, but that doesn't mean it's a good day. I'm just saying. Uh, this, ahead, movie kind of a, this movie is the kind of absurd fun for me that a movie like Crank is. Uh, okay. 
we all have to say. Yeah, I, I okay. say we'll, we'll give you the guilty thing. pleasure points because you're not going to convince us. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that this was a good movie at all either. But I, I have some sympathy with, with what Jeff is saying, only in the sense that I hated every single human character within the first 10 <laughs> to 15 minutes of this movie. And so there is a certain pleasure in watching these characters that I can't stand being brutally slaughtered by the aliens and the Predator. That I will give it. Then that's as far as I'm willing to oh, go. Oh, yeah. And the Predator is like the most likable character in the movie. <laughs> as inconsistently as he's written. <laughs> that is about the only thing that I, I'm going to give it. Everything else is terrible for reasons that we already uh, kind of went into uh, with Nemesis. Because uh, we, uh, we did talk about like all of this. And it is a slasher movie. There, there. I mean, I was looking at him like you could take out the alien and the predator, replace it with Freddy and Jason, and what would have changed? Almost nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, absolutely there, nothing. And, and when you have that situation, yeah, you're you're getting back to what DT is saying, which is that it's pointless. This movie is completely pointless because it is a situation where it is a stock movie. We with stock villains, you know, stock uh, heroes, stock characters that are there to be slaughtered. And there is nothing. And and the, the one thing that kind of sets it apart is what makes me revolted at this movie, which is, the you know, the kids getting slaughtered in the hospital. I was just and I was just sort of like, what? What is this? And and, and so you have uh, the so you, you part have, of what makes this epic with, yeah, <laughs> or, or, horrible, or horrible, depending on how you look right. at it. But I was just going like with Steve Carell and uh, that one meme, like, no, no, God, no, no, no. I, I am relieved that my dark crown, my dark crown of darkness gets to go to somebody else for this podcast. He writes horror, ladies and gentlemen. He is revolted by this. I'm going to tell you how, how awful they went with this movie. So, yeah. But I mean, I, at the same time. Yeah. I would have liked this movie better if they had just owned up to the fact that they were copying Jason versus Freddy, which came out a few years before this. And at some point when the alien predator came on the screen, it was like, kill, 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 <laughs> no. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this some more because we're going to do a comparison. We're going to do a creature comparison. But the one interesting idea that they had, and they do the most ridiculously obscene thing with it possible, but we'll get there. <laughs> okay, so where I'm going to go next is, because uh, it's great when we disagree. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, where I'm going to go next is, <clears throat> I'm looking at the things that the movie asks us to believe. So Steve said he didn't like any humans inside the five minutes, five minute window. For me, the five minute window has got to be establishing your premise. What are you asking me to believe? What are the parameters of the story world? If you don't get me then, then, you know. Now, my guilty pleasure movie that I like, the way Bracey likes this, is uh, Reign of Fire. Oh. Reign of Fire is awful. A- Everything about that movie is wrong, and I love it. So I can relate <laughs> because you have to shut your brain off because nothing makes any sense, but I love it anyway. So that's what I'm saying. I get that. I just don't feel that man way about the, Man, that's the hands of fate for me. It's the same thing. Uh, so, yeah. everybody, everybody's got that film where you you know as a writer and you know as a fan is nonsensical, but something about it just does it for you. I get that. Real but man we, with real men with Jim Belushi. That's mine. <laughs> oh, that movie's awesome though. <laughs> yeah, it is. But in this film, and and the predator that got chest bursted, his name is Scar because they couldn't come up with anything more original 
So they called him Scar, but okay. So so we meet the Predalien larva at the end of the last film. This movie, the first thing it asks us to believe is that a race of hunters that have been around for umpteen of Google years that go from planet to planet that have a trophy room in a ship that are basically Klingons on steroids that have so many different kinds of skulls and species that we don't even recognize them all, that that race would know what to do with suddenly Susan Predalien. Really? <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just takes everybody out because he's just so fast or or they, you know, they can't use their cannons right or whatever you're trying to say to amp fail. Okay, if you wanted to set it the way you set it, uh, set it the way you set it, meaning an earth environment, the thing to do would have been to have that thing jump out the window and have it fall to earth. And we see it burn up on reentry and it survives. Then we know how tough it is. Then they have a reason to say, this thing got away from us. We got to go down there and stop it because we know, we don't know what's going to happen. That changes everything from what we saw. But what we saw was one of some of the most fearsome hunters in the galaxy well, all they do is hunt. Now, let me tell you something. It's like being the kicker on an NFL team. You ain't got but one job. <laughs> you kick the kickoffs. You kick the extra points. You kick the punt returns. You kick the field goals, and they can't tackle you. That's why you can have a, a career until your 40s. You ain't got but one job. This right here. When you are a race of hunters, <laughs> and all you do, remember, you set up a pyramid you have laser technology that can blow a hole into the center of the earth from the sky. And we'll just boop, just like that. Superman's heat vision can't even do that, but you got a laser that's so strong until you can go from the outer epidermis of the earth to the center of the earth just with a shot. And it's smooth and it's big. And then you got all these 3D kind of maps, this kind of Tony Stark hologram technology and then people are hitting the, the little bricks and then you swooping out the sky because you love to hunt and you showed us in the last movie that in the ancient Egyptian Mayas Aztecian Indian culture that y'all invented there was thousands of aliens thousands of aliens and sometimes you beat them all with a handful of predators now all of a sudden <laughs> Here come Dr. Dreadlock Alien, and y'all can't beat him. Fail. That movie lost me in the first five minutes. Like, you have failed this city. Fail, you are a failure. But I'm like, no. 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 He should have jumped out the window while you're in space. You maybe weren't aware of what was going on, or maybe your weight sensors went off, because you have several layers of vision. You got infrared, ultraviolet, you know, obsidian, uh, blinding light, whatever. So he knows that because he's part you, jumps out the window, catches on fire, survives the reentry. Then you say, we have to go get him. That I buy. This, eh. okay? So you lost me. You lost me. And then on top of that, then after all that, you want me to believe that one of y'all can come down here and just take out all the aliens and all the facehuggers. Mm-mm. Nope. So I want to hear you guys' thoughts on did you buy the premise? Like, how did you get past all of that? Uh, like, like you know, in the first five minutes, and the movie's asking you to believe all that with these creatures that we've been following for years now. How did you 
cognitively deal with what the movie was asking you to deal with. Start with Steve. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you notice everybody got the even laugh today. That's how bad this movie was. Everybody laughing. I'm starting with laughter because this is the actual reaction I'm having. You know, with this whole idea, nothing makes sense. Nothing. The the premise from the last movie made no sense because, uh, as we established before, there is no way that no one would have noticed that this thing had an alien baby in it. There is no way well, they establish they have the ability to see alien babies. So, <laughs> so just starting from that, it's like why they would leave in him in there alone to gestate and not do anything to it, like not you know secure the body, not put you know things like that. A any kind of precaution makes no sense. Um, on top of that, we're we're seeing really horrible you know uh, scientific experiments going on with with the with the al other with alien face huggers and things like that. They, they put absolutely no thought into uh, precautions for safety whatsoever, you know, to contain these things. Um, and so, yeah, these things suddenly jump out and, you know, and they're just they're just written as completely stupid. Um, you know, no precautions as to, you know, making sure that these aliens, uh, that these xenomorphs don't take control of the ship or cause a crash. Nothing like that. You know, no precautions to like, you know, jettison the lab area, you know, into the sun if something happens, anything you know, or yeah, if they had suddenly managed to 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 get out, go in reentry, and die on Earth, that would have been reasonable. I would have bought that. No, that's just dumb. And then the 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 whole thing the with the fact that okay, we get a signal back to the Predator home world, you know, signaling about this, and the only response the Predators have is to send one guy. It's it's not like you know a bunch of aliens, a bunch of Predators would be like maybe competing with each other or to take a squad because. Wow, this is a pretty serious hunt. No, it's just one guy. No, there's no way the predators would have done that. That is ridiculous from the jump. Uh, and then, the, and then the crash of the ship. Uh, you have this this fireball coming down from the sky, which anyone would have seen if they looked up. Anybody would have seen this. Does anybody notice it? No. And on top of this, on top of this, if you wanted to, you know, conceal the fact that the ship had crashed. This is a ship with a cloaking device on it. Why are they not <laughs> using the cloak? So the thing crashes on there, and you could still have had a pretty dramatic uh, a crashing scene, you know, with a with a cloaking ship as it comes out of cloak uh, crashing down on the ground. There was no reason whatsoever. You have to have a huge fireball <coughs> in the sky that anybody could have seen, and yet the only people who notice that the ship has crashed is the wolf predator. No, give me a break. This is dumb everything about it is stupid and 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 just i, I mean the whole thing is laughable and ridiculous and, and i'll just leave it to the rest of you to to, to piece this even <laughs> further because i'm sure that there are things that i didn't even get into that's how stupid this is steve said it's so stupid i don't care about the rest <laughs> yep, basically. let me do parker why didn't you freeze him <laughs> why don't they just freeze him go ahead bracy yeah, I can't really defend any of this, but I'm going to. <laughs> I wish you luck. Because, because I'm going to be that guy today. Uh, apparently, apparently, predators don't do the hyper sleep. I guess they got the hyper drives so that don't even worry about that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense from a, a writing perspective. Obviously, they're ignoring 
all kinds of stuff for this film. Uh, but I guess they figured after the last film, why not keep up the trend? Uh, we've already established that for some reason, these aliens are uh, hyper growers beyond anything we've ever seen before. And this, uh, this pred alien goes even beyond that because he goes from like popping out of the chest to full go grown monster. I'm going to eat your face mode in a scene. Now, not, not to mention this fact that like, shouldn't these guys have already been like warping out on their way home by now? Like, why are they still hanging out in orbit around the planet? There's no reason for that. You know, this, this one guy can be like skinning the alien on the way home. I don't know. That's kind of a weird thing. Uh, I do buy the pred alien being able to slaughter everything on the ship because this thing is clearly like boss level beyond anything alien we've seen, except perhaps a queen. And, um, we get a chance to talk about this later. I'll talk about my own theory that this is actually an alien king. And I even contacted the uh, FX people about this and argued that point. And they were like, you know, you might be on to something. So we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, so this thing is way more powerful. Like, like later on, we'll see it just punch its way right up through a street. So it's going through concrete pipes, uh, you know, asphalt, all kinds of stuff. So I believe that this thing can fully decimate a bunch of predators and some tight quarters on its own. Uh, I do have a problem with, uh, even, even with a predator having like an old crap moment, start lancing out with a plasma caster inside of his ship. <laughs> That's not going to cause a problem in space. <laughs> he should have gone in there with like, you know, handheld weapons, net slingers, spears, something. Uh, uh, to your point about the cloaking device, even if you're invisible, you fall through the sky, you're going to leave a vapor trail as your ship, you know, is impacting on the atmosphere. I'm going to contrapasto on that one. Uh, there are a lot of things that should not be ignored. Like, yep, that's going to get seen by every, everything later on when they, when they, you know, implode the ship. Uh, why did nobody see that from town? Like, even if it's not a, not a nuclear explosion later, it's an implosion. That's still put off a lot of light. People should have seen that. Uh, I think, and again, I'm having to do the work of the movie, which is never a good thing. I think there is a relationship between the predator that sent the signal back home and the wolf predator, the cleaner, because it went directly to his palace. So, you know, maybe this guy was a hunt master, you know, maybe this was one of his progeny, something like that. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, avenge my honor, you know, my sire, that sort of thing. But again, this is me having to make stuff up. And this movie's so goofy, I'm just kind of happy to do it. Although I, I, I would say that as much as we talk about wanting to see an alien homeworld, this is the only movie where we're getting to see a Predator homeworld. And man, I want to see some hunts on the Predator homeworld. Let's see these guys do some things on their own. I think the idea of sending in a squad makes a lot more sense, but maybe it's a weird honor code thing. But how cool would it have been to do like the Schwarzenegger thing, where it's like an elite team of Predators come down, and now they're hunting this super alien. That would have been a nice turnaround in the whole predator theme. That would have been so, a better movie than what we saw. It would, would have been a better movie. have one of the big shavers doing the thing with the. Yeah, he's like he's laser <laughs> shavers. Okay. Well, <laughs> well let me say. Like you know, he's like, and you hear like, I ain't got no time to bleed. Yeah. And uh, well. you know, there are a lot of things this film does do right. And uh, another thing I noticed right away, because this was so annoying last time, is that the uh, they went back to the sound effects from previous movies. The aliens now sound like alien. They sound 
weirdly modulated and screechy and squeaky. The predator sounds like a predator when he roars. He has that basso reverberating roar. And I like the way they mix those two sounds into the pred alien when it starts screaming at things. So I'll keep talking about the things I really like in this. I'll let you guys do most of the trashing. <laughs> okay, well, I want to be the first one to sign your cast. Because I'm sure you broke your leg with all them leaps you just took. <laughs> I'm sure your femur, your tibia, your fibula, your Saudi Arabia, I'm sure it shattered into 700 pieces with the leaps you had to take to make all that happen. But I'm proud of you because you're a creative kind of guy. Um, I just want to throw out there that they captured a queen and put her on ice underneath a pyramid in some kind of chain thing. They captured the queen. How are you going to capture a queen? And then you meet this thing. The aliens are supposed to be a hybrid of what they come out of. So if you want to add a predator strength and an alien strength, I can give you increased strength, but I can't give you strength so increased that half a dozen predators can't do nothing with it. You, you are at the disadvantage because they hunt from a distance in infrared. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, your camera just, you know, you just launch your laser sighting. And, mm -mm. So that's okay. We'll sign that cast because you done broke both your knees and your ankles with all them leaves. But that's oh, all. don't worry. I'm I'm far from done. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> no leaves coming. Okay, so we all going to get to sign the cast. So we're going to be attracting in a minute. Go ahead, Nemesis. Uh, yeah, I Steve hit on a lot of it. I mean, my problem, I didn't buy it from the very beginning. I didn't buy the ending, and I didn't buy the fact that this thing hatched out of it, and then it took out all the people on the ship. If I get it that it's super strong and everything, there's supposed to be quite a few predators on there. There were ones that looked to be, like, senior ranking, and it kills everybody. Okay, you know, so all of these things going on, as far as what you're saying about the sounds, it's interesting you say that. It's going to lead into my real pet peeve that nobody has touched on yet. They want, tried to get the original sounds from the original movies, from the original Predator and the original Alien. I, I happened to watch this movie, and I had Amazon, so I put on all the little comments and everything. So yeah. they tried to get them, and they were degraded. They didn't have them. So they tried to recreate those sounds. But it was obvious they kept trying to go back and grab stuff from the old movies and, and try and use nostalgia for us. And one of the big problems I have is they went right to Aliens, the second movie, and got those those species containers, those those jars that just tip over, that are thin <laughs> glass, the beakers, mm -hmm. and and put face huggers in there. Mm -hmm. By the way, and here's my real problem: that's silly in and of itself. Because why are the aliens who have been dealing with the species for a long time? Why do they have them in these jars that could tip over, and break, and the things get out? But that's the point. According to the Alien versus Predator, the first movie, these aliens have been the predators have been dealing with these aliens for thousands of years mm -hmm. why in the world did they have face huggers up on the ship and doing experiments on them <laughs> I, I i know why because the plot needed it to be there so that the face huggers get out and they can affect people but it's like that's the first thing i noticed when i was watching i mean i i i put aside my my thoughts on the pred alien and and about how it got on the ship and it was attacking. And then I see the dude sitting there doing this stuff. And my furry first thought was, why Why do they even have face hangers up there? And it's like, oh, now I know. Because they're going to get loose and they're going to, like, attack everybody. But there was no reason for them to be there. And immediately I was out of it. 
And then from there, it just, once my mind gets in that mode, I see, start seeing everything that is just taking me out of the movie. I mean, and the very next thing was the signal. It sends a signal back to the, to the Predator homeworld. How the hell faster than light is that signal going? Not to mention, <laughs> then the dude gets in the ship and comes back. He popped in before the pizza even got cold. <laughs> he, he arrived from the Predator. Yeah, he arrived from the Predator homeworld and beat Dominoes there. I mean, I, I mean, there, there's even in Star Wars with hyperspace. Yeah, it, takes, it takes some time to get there, you know. So it's say the signal should take a little time to get there. It should take some time. I mean, by the time he got there, it should have been, you know, if we're going to give him really fast speed, like ludicrous speed, then. He shows up when the National Guard's in there and the town's loose. And then maybe the movie would be worthwhile because if we just watch, if that's where the movie started, where this, all hell has happened, and then the Predator shows up in the middle of a war zone, okay, maybe it would be okay. But no, that dude was there immediately. I'm like, where in the hell, how did this happen? So, you see, yeah, it's I expect this for being the antithesis of the previous film. And I think that was the director's whole idea when he talked about why yeah. he changed the cinematography and the shooting style. And the other movie took almost an hour to get going, and he's just pop, 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 pop. It's, it's, but it, it really is like he's trying to make the anti-version of the previous movie. But but here's the thing, though. You brought that to my attention because my guilty pleasure is I do like to sit and turn my brain off and watch the first AVP, you know. Mm -hmm. But with this one, you know, you have brought it in my mind that it, it took so long to get to the actual fight. So I'm watching it. Yeah, we got something at the very beginning, and then we got an episode or two of Dawson's Creek before we got back to it. So, you know, it's like, if you're going to give me some action at the beginning, that's fine. But they don't tease me and then make me sit through Melrose Place. Uh, because... But you should know as a writer, <laughs> as a writer, that is the perfect setup. It's one oh. of the things I like to do with my stories or my films. The first thing I do is I gut punch the audience right away. Then they're willing to hang on through the boring stuff to get back into the cool stuff. I, I write horror, but I have never been cruel enough to make somebody watch Melrose Place or Dawson Creek. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> now, something, something that combines what we're talking about, and Nemesis really hit on it inadvertently, and I'm just going to ju say it directly, because it's another thing that just, just my brain has got the four-alarm fire going off. And here it is. I think this movie is asking us to believe that that's the first time there's been a Predalien. Now you stack that against the fact that they've been fighting them for hundreds, thousands of years. That doesn't make any sense. That cannot possibly be the first time a predator got face up. Think about it. Cannot possibly be, which adds more credence to the idea that they would have seen this before. They would have known what something like this is. That can't be the first one in all of their encounters, because I'm going to repeat hundreds to thousands of aliens in one scene. No way in the world. You're trying to tell me those face huggers never attacked a predator before? No. Now you are you are correct. In the in the script, that thing is called the abomination. Now again, this is something you have to know outside the movie, which we all know is a bad thing. But that clearly shows there is a history. This has happened, and that's why the response to a pred alien is so aggressive. Well, not only that, I and like I said, I watched the the I don't want to give this company more advertising. So I watched the company <laughs> shall not be named. I watched their version with the little comments, and everything in the original script, the Predalien dies when the yeah. ship crashes and the face huggers get out 
and then it's just normal aliens there. So it's like, I don't even know. I don't even know how I feel about that, but I was just like, well, what? It's, what? <laughs> it's definitely weird that they would have done that because I, I read that too, and I was like, but but you set up that in the last movie. Why would you not go there? I'm glad it, they did go there. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I was just confused when I read that. I was like, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this. So. Well, we were talking before we were recording, and I made a comment about how once I've seen something at its peak, it's blessing near impossible for me to take things that aren't at that level as seriously. And I was actually referencing uh, Captain Marvel when I said that. But if you've read Earth Hive, Earth Hive talks about what the aliens would do if they actually got here. And one of the things that they found out, because Waylon Utani finds out the hard way, that the aliens are actually about 10 to 15 times smarter than they ever, ever gave them credit for. And that on some level, they were playing possum. They were consciously uh, behaving a certain way to make it look like they weren't any more than, than bugs on an anthill. Mm -hmm. When they got to Earth, what they started doing was they started hiding their eggs lower and lower underground. So when they saw that the humans you know, knew what was up with the eggs, they started hiding them. So now I want you to imagine just being out somewhere just on the beach and here comes a facehugger burrowing up from 10 feet under because it sends people, you know, they started doing stuff like that because the humans started finding the eggs and destroying them. So they just started hiding them lower and lower, that kind of thing. So once I read something like that, I'm like, wow. So in Earth Hive, spoiler alert, it's in sloppy spoilers. Earth mm -hmm. gets overrun like that. It's one of those things where it's like the aliens get here, and then they take Chicago, then they take the Midwest, then they take the country in a month. They take the planet in a quarter. It was like that. It's like they couldn't believe they just blinked and these aliens are like, there's nowhere you can go now. And once I read that, I was like, wow. So when I see something like this and you give me, you know, half a dozen, a dozen face huggers, and you know, the best they can do is just, you know, face hug a kid or you know, scurry into a town or whatever, it reduces their intelligence level. They're way, way smarter than they would have behaved there. And we already know, once again, from, from the films, like Jeff said, we shouldn't have to do the work, but even if we don't read extended universe material, we know from the films that the first thing they would do is establish a queen chamber. That's what they do. So, you know, once again, I just couldn't get past it. I was just like, when you, when you start shaking your head, I'm like, yeah, okay. There is there is one thing that I would add about this this first scene real quick and and uh -huh. I was gonna throw this out there and then hopefully we can uh, you know Jeff could comment on this is well, the I guess design the design of the Pred Alien. Uh, I love me some practical effects and suits, but man, did that suit look clunky and and cumbersome? And the part that really killed it for me was the legs. The legs made it look like this was a bad version of the Jersey Devil walking around. That's what it looked like. You know, it really looked, it looked like it had hooves. I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I was like, why does the Predalien have hooves? It really looked, uh, in my opinion, it looked really bad. It looked really bad. I mean, well, a lot of the other stuff looked okay, but I, I, I wasn't a big fan of, especially the bottom portion of the Predalien. I didn't think it looked good. Yeah, it's something well, that's one of those things that's probably. 
Sorry, yeah, so Bryce, you give me a give me a chance to uh, discuss the the predalien and his biology and all that, and I can address all that in one go. Okay, okay, we'll get there in a minute. Um, to me, it's one of those things that probably sounded cooler in concept than it was in execution, mainly because of the nature of the bio bio constructure of both of the creatures. Trying to to you know merge that into something more scary, but we'll talk about that later on because we're going to compare monsters. We'll get to that later. Okay, so the next thing, once we understand that they're going to kill kids and we understand what kind of movie we're looking at, that it's going to be kind of a gross out fest. The next part, in spite of all that we said, the only part that I did like was the absolute domination of the cleaner predator. But I had to turn my mind off to enjoy it because nothing about his existence makes any sense. Like all the stuff Nemesis said about how he's got trans-warp drive. He's got infant, I'm here, he's got that kind of thing. But also, you can't have it to where one predator is that powerful because that negates the premise of the first movie. Why would they need six on six or six on 12 or whatever the ratios were if one predator can do that? I liked watching it, but I was like, y'all know this don't make no sense, right? <laughs> so... And the other thing is, it, it was the same double-edged sword. The coolest thing was his blue cleaner liquid, whatever kind of acid or dissolve or, or solvent or substance that was, just to pour it on because he was like purposely trying to, I guess, erase the tracks of the aliens on Earth is what I'm assuming. But if that's the case, two things. First thing is what Nemesis said, why would you string people up there? Why would you skin them? And let everybody know you're there because that's your signature move, dude. Why would you let everybody know that, number one? And number two, why didn't you use that liquid at any other time? If that liquid is that strong, that should have been, you know, put in the capsule and use as some type of projectile weapon because how are you going to beat it? Because I'm going to say I, again, anybody that plays video games or studies superheroes know, if you got, can strike from a distance... Okay, that's why Batman uses so many gadgets. Uh, Wolverine has to be close up on you, but what he has is speed. He has the speed to get up close up on you faster than most people. But if you can negate that advantage, what can Wolverine do from a distance? Superman, I, I got, however, can strike from the stratosphere. Go ahead, Nemesis. I got a number three for you on that whole blue vial. What mm -hmm. kind of uh, volume bending physics exists on the Predator homeworld where there's <laughs> like a court? of blue liquid in this little vial. I mean, he kept pouring it. It was the never-ending vial. It's straight out of D&D, the never-ending potion vial. You know, just kept pouring it. It's, it's pouring, usually pouring, like pouring. technology. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah. I, I was watching that. I was like, I don't know. Once again, maybe it was just because I was in that my mind frame after the beginning. But as I watched the movie and he kept just pouring the blue liquid, I was like, did he go back for a refill? Did he have another one? I mean, what What is going on here? <laughs> so, no, it was definitely the never-ending vial. And uh, also leads me to the other scene I thought was cool. <clears throat> it's one of those situations where, and Steve has said it before, it's there was maybe a good movie in here, maybe a good B movie, maybe a good whatever. But it's like the stuff that they should have pursued, they ignored. Then they did some other stuff that was just so dumb. You're like, really? The coolest shot for me, was when you saw the little baby alien that was just past the chest burster stage, but wasn't fully grown, so it was like the size of a dog. 
Mm. And they caught a, caught a glimpse of it, the boys did when they were in the sewer. And the dude was like, oh, it's just a rat. He's like, no, there ain't a rat. And because very rarely do we get to see the in-between stage uh, between a chestburster and a full-grown thing. I thought that was really cool because I'm like, what can they do? Do they have to eat something to grow to be eight feet tall? Like, do they just shed their skin? Like, if we saw maybe that stage, because we've never seen that before, because I like to see something new whenever every time we get a different film. But again, they didn't pursue that. It was just that one quick shot. I was like, oh, wow. What's coming next? And then nothing comes of it. We have the old water fake out scene. So those were really kind of the only two things that I actually thought were cool, but I had to shut my brain off to enjoy even those because I'm like, mm -mm -mm. and so so give me your thoughts on the mafia cleaner predator with a never ending blue vial. Because uh, I did think it was a cool character, but I was like, this is so disproportionate to what we've seen disproportionate that one of y'all could do that. And then like Nemesis said, not only the never ending flow of the liquid, but I'm like, how much material can this thing dissolve? When you watch it pour and hit whatever it's hitting, it's a small puddle, but it takes out several feet of alien. I'm like, how? So anyway, so give me your thoughts on the mafia cleaner uh, uh, predator. Start with Bracey because you like it. Oh, yeah. I like, I like this part, too. <laughs> uh, now, uh, we do have some issues with this. Even even somebody who's fanboying all over this film, myself. Uh, I do have some issues with this. Uh, uh, for the most part, I really love the wolf. Uh, I love seeing new Predator kit. I can never get enough new Predator kit because the, the Predators are like, you know, Batman meets Kraven the Hunter. That's always kind of cool, seeing all their cool devices, even though they, they try to be minimalistic in a way because, you know, they want a worthy hunt and all. But this guy has a very special mission. Uh, he's not on a hunt. He is a cleaner. Uh, so he he seems to be more intent on removing evidence of aliens. He seems to realize that uh, that humans know predators exist, even if they, you know, the, the larger populace doesn't know. Uh, there have been enough times that they've lost us that they know, like, oh, you know, we didn't get, you know, Todd back and Todd left some of his gear around. We know we know they've got evidence of us. We, we got the cave paintings. We got the hieroglyphics, whatever. They know we're around. Um, the the blue goo, he had several <laughs> vials put into this one larger container, which is what he seemed to pour out. So I, I guess he was rotating them. Uh, it's described oh. as an enzyme, so it might be bacteriological where it, it multiplies a bit. So what it does is when it hits something, it's not working like an acid. It's actually eating it like a bacteria. So that's how it can dispose of a great deal of material. And again, this is me doing the movie's job because I understand how these sort of things work because I'm a super nerd. Uh, but, you know, you shouldn't have to do it. Like uh, it, It's like we've talked about in some other things before. Like if, if something does something and you don't understand the movie, you're not giving context then it just becomes magic. So for anybody who's not a super nerd, this is magic fluid. Uh, but I did love seeing all of his kit. I, I, I love the idea of him and the fact that he wasn't on a hunt, which made him utterly ruthless. Uh, normally humans are off limits if they're not armed or if they're not posing some sort of aggressive threat. Uh, so I didn't mind him, like, for instance, killing the cop. Uh, skinning the cop was dumb because that's a trophy thing. Uh, he's got no time for that. He's a mission. He should have just gutted the cop and left. Let him worry about whatever the hell gutted the cop. If he's out there to destroy evidence of aliens, he should just be destroying evidence of aliens. Uh, he's not so worried about uh, predator presence, I'm thinking. 
so I, I gotta i gotta like uh yeah no you kind of messed up on that part dude but uh i did love seeing all the cool gear uh the laser mines him him doing things we haven't seen from the first predator movie i love like uh seeing like the triangulation the tracking of the the beam was going going across the screen as it's triangulating the presence of enemies he kept switching between visual modes so he could keep up with the aliens uh, he uh-huh. has so many cool new weapons he had the, like the throwing stars from the last film but he has his razor whip uh you know he's got his combi stick um just all kinds of cool stuff and like the first guy we've ever seen like double pump shoulder cannons how awesome was that that was about as cool as it gets. And I like the presentation that when we see his home, now this guy is obviously high status. He is in a building higher up than all the buildings around him in his particular predator city. He has a wall full of weapons. He has a wall full of face masks. He's got trophies galore behind him and he chooses a particular mask. And when we see this guy, uh, we see he's not like a, the, he, he's definitely weathered. He doesn't look as ancient as the ancient Predator and Predator 2 uh, that uh, Danny Glover has to deal with at the end. But this mm-hmm. guy has definitely hunted aliens before. His face has acid scars. He's missing a tusk. One eye is blind from an acid splash. And the mask he chooses has several claw grooves in it, whether it's from hunting aliens, and maybe that's why he chose this particular mask, because like, oh, my old foe, I'll put on this face to deal with you. So I like that whole aesthetic about this guy and the, the purposefulness of his mission. I just wish, like, if he was uh, if, if he was going to be on the down low, like, uh, killing the cop didn't make sense. And, like, again, I think he's just destroying evidence of aliens because he is not covert at all when it comes right down to it. You know, he starts blasting things like crazy. You know, he's knocking big holes in, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in uh, roads himself. He's blowing up stuff. He's not very subtle when he doesn't want to be, but at least he's maintaining a little bit of like the down low kind of presence. Uh, overall, I like the wolf uh, a great deal, except for like really that kind of one one bit. Uh, and I did like seeing some new tactics, like using humans to bait. You know, he uses himself for bait when that's all he's got, but later on he'll use a human as bait to draw out aliens. Uh, so there's like, uh, I think this is really cool. We get a lot of really cool stuff, and I know you feel like this guy is like super predator, but I kind of think he is. This is like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. This is Ethan Hunt. This is all. This guy is like, like a super high level top dog. Just given like his his status on the planet that we can see, his collection of gear, his collection of trophies, his collection of weapons. I think that's why this guy, you know, and, and again, I just kind of had to form my own connection between him and the guy. Uh, uh, they call him in the in the script the bull alien. Or the bull predator uh, sent a message back home uh, to the wolf. So I, I still feel like it's a personal connection. And you notice, like when he when he encountered him, he put his hand on on a, on the bull's mask. So again, I feel like there's a deeper connection there. There's like we've never really seen a predator express emotion outside of like you know roaring and challenge or anything like that. And he he had like a quiet kind of moment, an actual requiem, if you will. Uh, so I think this is like a, a little bit professional, a little bit personal. So, but overall, other than making a few, like, yeah, hey, why are you doing this? You're on this mission. Don't don't bother skinning people or doing this kind of stuff. Mostly, I love this character quite a bit. All right, I will give you points for details. 
I'll give you points on the level of detail that you have and the level of knowledge you have for his just his weapons array alone. So I'll give you points on that one. I can definitely give you that. Um, I still think as hard as we have to work, because if you don't work hard, you you know, that stuff goes by really fast and in the dark. But I'll definitely give you points on that. Again, this is the only part of the film that I really, really like. It's just the idea of it needs more fleshing out. And it, yeah. negates, it, it negates them having to hunt in groups of anything. Why would you need to hunt in groups of anything if one of y'all can do that? But anyway, uh, go ahead, Steve. What did you think about the cool mafia cleaner predator? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Jeff covered uh, quite a few things that, that, that I would have. Um, my general feeling about this character was that he was the one character from this movie I found tolerable. Uh, most of the <laughs> other ones were terrible. Most of the other characters were terrible, but Wolf, the Wolf Predator was not too bad. Um, inconsistent in various ways, but not. But overall, not, not too bad. Um, I, I will say, though, I think that this particular Predator is a Predator with bat privilege. <laughs> as we like to say he has some yes. bat god tendencies at times oh my goodness i wish i could argue with that <laughs> bat predator that's what i was bat gonna say bat predator yeah you guys calling him super predator he's definitely more bat predator um but i would i would say that there, but there are times when you really like it and and when it when when he's really being clever and he's actually being uh, better written than some of the other times, it's really a lot of fun. I, I one of my favorite part was one of those that um, Jeff had mentioned uh, towards the end, which is you know he's using ali- uh, humans as bait to trap yeah. the aliens. That's smart. I, yeah. I I'm like I can't argue with that. <laughs> and not only did it end up killing like a character that I didn't like, well I didn't like any of the humans, so it's like okay, you know the predator wants to take out a few of these losers. Go ahead, by all means do that. Uh, and it, and it led to a really cool scene. So I I'm like I I can't argue with that. Um, yeah, the acid. I kind of was wondering at first whether it was like based on alien blood because uh, you know that alien blood is highly acidic, and they've been studying these things for. For, for thousands of years, probably. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's like, okay, let's study how why this the this alien blood is so acidic and we'll make some of our own that works on the aliens. Um, so that I kind of like the idea of it. I mean, yeah, there was the whole thing with, okay, where are they getting all this? Where is he storing all of this? How much does he have? Does he have more in his ship? I mean, all this sort of stuff is, is out there, but I did like the idea of this. Of course, it leads you to wonder why he didn't use any of that on the dead cop that he killed. Or, you know, to try to use it, you know, on, on anything other than aliens. But, okay, fine. We accept we has this. It's a neat idea. Okay, go with that. Um, yeah, and I will say, though, that there are other things that kind of got a little bit uh, to me, too. And that is they repeated the mistake of the original Alien versus Predator. And he takes his freaking helmet off yeah. a number of times in major, in major situations. So he takes it off uh, early on. Um, you know, uh, on the uh, Predator ship, which is like, how do you know that there are no face huggers over there ready to jump you and you're and you're mm-hmm. using this? Um, so I, I will buy, I will give it a little bit of a pass though in that we can see that he was doing it so that he could get the uh, recording of the other Predator's uh, log, which, okay, mm-hmm. fine. But why can't you get that off of, the, off of another computer? You know, why do you have to put your face at risk to do this? Um, or just, okay, or just but, plug it right into the helmet while you're yeah, wearing it. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, that that was a little silly. But what really got me was like in the end fight with the Pred alien, where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna go and just take off my helmet. No, 
No. <laughs> and 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 the and the pet alien tries to to to, to hit him with the with the with the well, I guess the I, I forget exactly what it's called, but you know, basically the the tongue uh, prong thing that 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 they all have. Uh, so it's like, okay, you know, if you know we can do this, why are you putting your your face at risk by taking off your helmet? You should be wearing it all the time, especially right. if you are an elite apex predator, which right. which this guy definitely is. I mean, he should be really, really smart at all times. You know, he should not be taking this thing off if unless he has to, and and that that I thought was a mistake as well. Um, so there are little inconsistencies about that. But overall, this was the only character I actually enjoyed watching, you know, because, you know, he, he gets to kill some of the characters I didn't like. Uh, uh, <laughs> he gets some great moments. He gets some great moments against some of the Predators. Um, and he dies. He, he dies in badass fashion. I mean, he dies fighting the Pred alien. You know, he's, 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 he's right there, you know, grappling with the thing at the last. I mean, if you're going to go out, okay, go out like that. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and so yeah, I would say, um, while this, this movie really doesn't work on so many levels, I, I, I gotta like this character. <laughs> I would like to see more of that. You know, just, uh, for anybody who wants to know the, they typically call it the inner jaw, but if you want yeah. a scientific name for it, it's called a pharyngeal jaw, a jaw that can okay. project out of the mouth. Okay. I forget what it was called. I call it disturbing. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I think Steve said kind of the same thing I was saying in different ways, but that was that there are tangential ideas that are surrounding this thing that would have been more fun to see. Hmm. And they just hint at them. But if we could have expanded that world, maybe even sideways a little bit more, uh, when you combine that with what Jeff said, I really like the idea of, because because Bat Predator is right. We just see Batman grab weapons from his weapons arsenal. Mm -hmm. In this particular situation, it would have been much cooler to see him choosing and why. And if there was a history of cleaner predators, and like you said, why they chose this guy in particular, because there was some type of relationship. And, you know, but like I said, I just can't get past the disproportional concept of one predator could do all that because it just negates so much of what we've seen before. But it's still fun to watch. And also uh, the, the thing about uh, the mandibles and all the different kind of stuff is, I think those two, uh, I don't know how to say it, those two uh, face designs are scary individually and mm -hmm. goofy combined. It's not more scary combined. You might think it would be more scary, to have the large mandibles and the protruding tongue with teeth. But to me, it felt, I don't know, it felt kind of goofy. It felt kind of, I don't know, like like maybe a, a cartoonish type of thing. Because, you know, I don't know, is this is this thing supposed to be a better hunter? Is it supposed to be stronger? Is it supposed to be scarier? Supposed to be smarter? What is it supposed to be? Because it's just more gross. That's pretty much all the movie said. But anyway, we'll we'll definitely get there because we obviously got a lot to say about that. So Nemesis, did I hear from you already or we're still waiting to hear from you? You're still waiting to hear from me. Okay, go ahead. Um, I think you guys hit a lot of great points. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a few. Um, for me, this character is the good, the uh, and the bad. You know, <laughs> uh uh the good, I, I love the concept. I agree with all of you. I think the concept is really cool. Um, I like the weapons, just like Jeff said. The problem I have, and this leads into the bad 
is that we've got all this new technology, the very nature of the predator. We've never seen them really communicate as far as actually talk and explain things and everything like that. And that is what this movie needed. We, we show him, they show him so many times using so many new technologies. At one point he's collecting like the fluid and putting in something to do a tracking. It's like, we're, we're all just supposed to go along with this. It's like, if you're doing sci-fi and you're doing something that's reliant on gadgets, we have mm -hmm. to understand the gadgets and how they work to some extent. Otherwise, we start trying to make up our own ideas unless we're going to go and just do tons of more research like Jeff has. And, you know, more power to Jeff. He knows about all that stuff, and that's cool. But for the average moviegoer or someone who is a, a better-than-average fan but is not like a super fan, I'm just like, look, give me something. Give me something to work with here, you know? And there isn't a whole lot to work with, especially with this new technology. It's like, give me some way to know, like show me, show him going to a wormhole. And that way I can understand why he's there in like five seconds, you know, something, do something. Um, uh, I like the idea of the character, but this is really also goes into the bad territory where um, he's just to me, he's just not consistent. I, I don't buy it. Uh, from a military standpoint, I understand what his mission is. Even if it's an honor mission, I understand what his mission is. His mission is to avenge this thing, and he's cleaning up the mess. But here's the thing. He's not just cleaning up aliens. He also dissolves the two people with holes in their chest. Why? Why does he <laughs> right. care if they find human beings with holes in their chest? Right. And and then, but then, like Jeff said, and it was the exact point I was going to make, then he's, he's taking trophies off the dead cop. Well, why do he do that? You know, that makes no sense because he's not hiding anymore. And then at one point, he's just shooting random, you know, so he goes from a very focused assassination mission to search and destroy mission. Well, at that point, when you're vastly outnumbered in your search and destroy mission, I don't care if you're the wolf, the bat predator, or whoever you are, you call him backup. <laughs> you know, you, you, you bring some people in because now he's sitting there, he's blowing up, you know, energy stations and all this other stuff. So it's just nothing about it seemed nothing about his motivation seemed consistent through the whole movie. Consistent, that's the word. And that's the word. Yeah. And then the other problem I had, this wasn't a problem. I think this was a missed opportunity. I love the fact that he could care less. And I have written characters like this in other contexts. I <laughs> love this idea where there are fights between two different groups and human beings are in the middle. And they're an annoyance. And I I, I <laughs> love that. And when that kid, when he killed the girl by accident and all of us cheered, you know, because she was <laughs> gone. And then that dude comes charging at him with the M16. That was a wasted opportunity. They should have just had that cannon turn around and just blast the kid, you know, and him just walk off. Because he's like, you're an annoyance. Why, why, you're not even worth yeah. Why would he kill him? Why wouldn't he just kill him? He's, you know, he's like uh, the minute that yeah. uh, we know that predators will go and attack anybody who's armed and presents a threat. Why yeah. Not kill the kid? Yeah. So it's like you're not even it's worth my time to even look at you. The gun is just going to turn around and blast you. You know, that would have been like the perfect message for this predator to be like, you're like, bye, Felicia, get out of here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. So and then the other all wanting him to die. Yeah. Yes. And then yes. the the um moments for me, um, there were a couple, and it was just I, I kept going back in this movie, and and the predator was the worst example of this. They kept doing it with the predator, and two scenes in particular was they wanted to bring back nostalgia, 
And it's like, how many Predator movies do I have to see where the Predator gets wounded and then he's going to do some medical technology and <laughs> heal himself? It's like every damn Predator movie now. <laughs> the, the Predator's operating on himself. It's like, I get it already. They could do that. And it's the same thing with the mask. It's like, we want to see the Predator take the mask off. They bend over and the, you know, and it's like, so every movie, no matter what's going on, I mean, the Predator could be in a situation where if he takes the mask off, he's going to die because of poison gas, but we got to see it because that's part of the movie. And I'm just like, ah, that's just the way I feel. I'm just like, oh no, come on. You know, it's like Gary Busey's going to show up in a second at this point. So. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you remember, yeah, the, uh, the Predator in Predator 2 kind of did that with Gary Busey. He kind of saw Danny Glover coming in and he had already set his cannon at Gary Busey. And he was like, you know, he turned his back on him and the shot fired and it hit him while he was jumping towards uh, Danny Glover. But yeah. So, yeah, you know, once again, uh, consistency was the word that jumps out at me the most at that because we didn't see consistent motivations. We didn't see consistent responses. Would he see consistent, like, you know, like you said, he's on a mission. So you ought to be as covert as possible, since that is obviously what you're, what we think you're trying to do. Yeah. You well, know. And, and I will say, when covert goes out the window, and I think given what's going on in the movie and the amount of aliens that are out there and everything, at some point, the whole thing, I mean, I'm going to use a military term for a sec. Everything goes tits up, all right? <laughs> <laughs> the move, the whole mission goes tits up. At that point, when it's not covert anymore, uh, uh, even Bat Predator gets on the phone and calls the Bat Family in. You know, it's like, come on down. We got a real big problem here. I can't handle it myself. You know, yeah, Batman would never say that. He'd be like, you know, this would be a good training exercise for all of you to come down. Or something, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but he put the call out there and Dick and... And and Dick would be there with Damien, and they'd be like, "Yeah, he he's in trouble. He needs our help." And you know, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll go." And they'll, they'll show up and take care of it with him. But you know, at some point when it all went south, you you put the call out, you know, which is a whole other thing. So, all right, now that's a good transition into our next subject, which is going to be these bland, no accent, no salt having. <laughs> Uh, uh, ridiculously undimensional, they're not one dimension, they're undimensional human characters to the point where I look up their names and when I look up their names, I discovered most of their names have the same kind of ending. Like <laughs> that predator that goes, uh, that you see his face in the window and he kills the dad. Uh, the mama is Kelly and the little girl is Molly. And then it's Kelly, Molly and Ricky and Jesse. <laughs> And Sheriff Morales, right. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. So I'm looking at these characters, and as soon as I saw Di Ripley, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, Y'all oh. have zero creative ideas. But I'm looking at these characters, and I'm like, this is why so many people struggle, because we use tropes in movies instead of characters. Instead of mm -hmm. actually writing a character, we have the blonde girl. We have the friend zone dude that's just so in love with her, but of course she wants bad boy. So he's just hanging on and you know, and 
He's a jerk about, and I'm like, uh, he's Johnny. I don't want to wait. And so, and I'm like, really? And then, <laughs> and then you know, when we have, when we look at the adults, uh, I cannot speak from a military perspective, but I can speak from a common sense perspective. Adults in these kinds of situation, situations never act <laughs> like somebody would actually act if something like this would go, would be going on. Because monsters could only realistic, realistically slaughter a small amount of people before there was a larger response. But a lot of that is because of the bias of today's technology. Because it would be viral instantly if something like that happened. So that wasn't quite the case back here. So maybe I'll, I'll cut on that slack. But it's like what Nemesis talked about, and, and I said it last movie too, they pose like raptors. I mean, <laughs> aliens don't, don't hunt like that. They don't, they don't wait for a dramatic effect. And they don't wait for the best shot and they don't wait to be silhouetted against, you know, a bloodlit moon and then they strike. <laughs> Aliens don't work that way at all. I'm like, did y'all watch the first two movies? And then, you know, so it's like, so when I'm looking at the human characters, I have to agree with Steve. I'm like, well, I'm kind of happy y'all is dead, to be honest with you, because you've been on there. And, and, and what I want to bring out there before I throw it to you guys is, this is a very strong pet peeve of mine as a writer and as a fan. And here it is. It's when you don't give me anybody to root for. Well, you know, I, I'm like, I, I, I cannot emotionally invest then in the story or whatever you're calling it, because some of it is just a bunch of scenes strung together. But I don't have anybody to root for. I'm rooting for the monsters. I'm rooting for the shark. You know, I'm just... <laughs> I'm rooting for Freddie and Jason. I kill them all. You know, I'm just like, I just don't have anybody human to root for. You don't have any definition. You don't have any redeeming qualities. You're all kind of pathetic in your own way. And then, you know, uh, uh, the other thing, again, with the gross factor, but I'm going to make that a separate discussion because this movie went out of its way to be, you know, must have a thing against pregnant women and children, but we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> But, you know, as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm like, okay, so what I would have done, what I would have done is I would have not not done, tried to make an attempt at Ripley 2.0 or Hicks or anything like that or another Sarah Connor would have been anything like that. What I would have done was done something unexpected like what they did in Galaxy Quest. I would have written a geek that expected it to happen. Nobody would have seen that coming. <laughs> if you want to do something different because Galaxy Quest, spoiler alert, you haven't seen that movie, but should have because it's 700 years old. Um, there would have to be people, like we talked about in the beginning, that watch the sky, that believe, because we know there are people like that, that believe in Area 51. That believe in aliens. Right, right. That's right. Conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. And, but there would have been somebody who, if they had gotten wind of this or been anywhere around this, they would have been ready. How do we know that's true? Because we actually have people that are ready for a zombie apocalypse. If the world went bad like that, we got plenty of people that got plenty of food and plenty of weapons and they'd be fine. So that's what I mean when I say I would have had someone react like that. Like I've got a bunker, I've got a basement, I've got ammo everywhere you can see, I've got food, I'm gonna hole up somewhere and maybe pick them off or something like that. But somebody would have been smart enough to be, I would have done something like that and had like a survivor just so we just don't have continual red shirts just mm -hmm. over and over and over again, just you know, to give something more interesting and to have people react like they would really act 
Because the first thing you want to do is assess the threat, assess your enemy. What angle are they coming at you from? Are they on the ground? Are they in the air? Can they leap? Are they jumping down? Because whatever you're doing, they might get them first two. And then you create a position that is your best defense against what you've seen them do so far. It wouldn't be a situation where you just stand on the side of your car door and wait till they slither up to you and, and just take you out. I'm like, no, no, real people wouldn't act like that. So, I, you know, I just can't, I can't find any redeeming qualities in the humans in this film, which is a shame. So let me hear your thoughts about, you know, this is like, it's like Thanksgiving dinner with no salt, man. It's like, where's the salt? Ain't no seasoning. I got stuffing, I got turkey, there's no seasoning. <laughs> so, so let me hear your thoughts on that. Start with Bracy. Yeah, uh, you really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, we needed like uh, preppers, conspiracy theorists. We needed a Burt Gummer. That's who that we really needed for this. That, that's the guy that nobody believes. You know, he's Randy Quaid in Independence Day. You know, he's he's the guy who's going to get motivated and get things going. Really should have had that guy because I did not give a flip about any of these human characters. Uh, I, I think there's like uh, the sheriff's name is Dallas, which I think is a nod back to the original alien. And, yes. you know, here's another guy who's like he, he lives. A, he, he works a very humdrum kind of thing. He's the sheriff of a town where nothing happens. So mm -hmm. he fails as leader. That was the only clever thing I thought. Every chance they tried to to engender some sort of empathy for these characters always fell flat. Uh, the angsty teenagers uh, had absolutely no chemistry. Uh, you know, watching uh, uh, Ricky chase Jesse is just like, uh, no, there, there's nothing between the two of you. Like, why don't you just name them Joey and Pacey and be done with it? <laughs> yeah, like, why, you know, why are you suddenly turning after this guy when you're the one who wanted to, you know, date the bully who beats the crap out of anybody who looks at you sideways? So, no, I don't buy that at all. Like, she'd be perfectly happy making fun of you when you deliver pizza along with all of her bro hunk buddies, you know, that, no, no, you, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. The uh, the, the, the relationship between the two brothers, uh, you know, Eddie and Ricky, like it, that meant nothing. Um, the, the estrangement of the daughter, uh, to her mom coming home. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. He's like, okay, yeah, I understand dad's like your tour of duty might've been a year. Uh, but a year's not long enough for your kid to just kind of like, eh, you know, mommy doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, not at the age that child's at. No, 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 no. Especially not when uh, the dad, Tim, is like, you know, remember all those times you told me about how much you missed mommy? It's okay to tell her. And then that's never addressed. Hmm. It never comes back around. It's 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 kind of like our uh, press secretary in the White House. I'm going to circle back around, but then you don't. <laughs> that sort of thing happens. Yes, I totally went there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's no reason to like any of these characters they're they're stupid like we throw a couple of stoners in there at one point just because we don't have enough cannon fodder uh you know we uh, none of them are set up in a way even though they weirdly they i can't even say they try to do it because like they just fail so hard at trying to uh, to get you to feel anything for these characters like oh you know i'm so sad my daughter like oh my life sucks i'm a teenager i gotta wear the stupid hat at the pizza shop that's the uniform oh man uh, i'm 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 back from prison but i'm actually kind of an okay guy hey i'm the ineffectual sheriff like uh, 
oh, my husband disappeared in the woods. Oh, like, I don't even care about you. And I just saw your husband get murdered. <laughs> I don't care. About, like, even like even your boss who's trying to be nice, like, hey, you know, go home, get some rest. Don't care about him either because I've got <laughs> a connection. In 10 seconds of his screen time, I have no connection. And then you people aren't even smart enough to act like people. There's a, when, you know, when the lady runs out in the street instead of getting in her car, after finding the lady she's about to pick up, you know, exploded. She runs out in the street, <laughs> flagged down the sheriff. Uh, I guess maybe she was in her car on the way out of town. I don't know. I'm having to do the work of the movie again. Uh, there's this huge line of cars going out of town. We've got to evacuate the town. Boom. Town's evacuated. Sheriff is going the wrong way with all these people back into town. And he, like, looks at the successfully fleeing line of humanity as far as you can see in the frame out of town. It's like, we're not going to make it unless we have guns. They're doing a fine job. I mean, yeah, they're bumper to bumper, but they are moving in the right direction. You guys are going to go back into the meat grinder to get some guns, and you don't even know what you're dealing with. It's a much smarter move just to get the hell out of town. You know what? I would have even driven on both sides of the road getting the hell out of town. Other people can get off the road like, where are these guys going? Like, you guys might want to turn around. No, I, I don't care about the human characters at all. It's like everybody else. You're just waiting for him to die. And the most insulting thing to me in the film, as much as I love so much of this film for all of its flaws and feet of clay and, and moles and warts and all that, the most insulting thing, like you're willing to kill infants in a child in a hospital, uh, presumably. Uh, it might have been a, uh, kind of like a Jones and the Cat uh, moment, like from Alien. I don't know, because they didn't go there. They went there with everything else. You, But you definitely kill babies to term okay, in the we're, we're going to get there in a minute when we uh, get to the growth section yeah, you, you kill you kill children you kill women you kill you know hobos you kill everything but then you don't kill the annoying little brother either by the predator <laughs> that he shoots at that have been like Boop, like nemesis said cannon just turns no look blast or when the pred alien stabs him with his tail now i had the action figures for all these guys uh you might get away with stabbing somebody with an alien tail because it's a, it's a longer, thinner blade. If you look at this thing, if you look at the stills of the costume, if you look at the action figure, this this tail is like the size of my thigh. It's got this huge four-bladed uh, uh, projection on the end of it. That didn't just poke through his shoulder. That ripped off his shoulder. That goes through <laughs> his collarbone. That goes through his brachial artery. That's taken out a couple of ribs. Probably the top of his lung, maybe even his heart, definitely you know, like the aorta artery, a whole bunch of things. That arm's going to fall off on the floor, and that asshole gets to make it through the whole movie. No, 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 no. Screw you for killing everybody else, but not that guy. You even killed his stupid girlfriend in the most hilariously awesome way possible, and you didn't kill that guy immediately after. No, I hate you for that. Love the rest of this movie more or less, but I hate that. <laughs> huh? uh, you know, once again, Damn. you get, you get major you found the rock points. in my shoe. As far as you get major geek points just for having the action figures. I give you points on that. <laughs> so that shows me your dedication to this film. So major points for that. Uh, go ahead, Nemesis. The 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 town full of red shirts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, what am I going to say? I mean, Jeff hit a lot of it really on the head. I mean, the the most annoying character to me was 
was the boyfriend who is basically Johnny from the Karate Kid. Showed up <laughs> in Gunnison, you know, um, it's the exact same character. <laughs> Uh, the Ralph Macchio character with a little bit of an edge. I mean, we have scenes in here that do nothing, like the whole scene in the pizza parlor where his boss is telling him to do. I mean, it's like, why was that even in there? So that we could see that guy cowering later on. Uh, it's just the whole thing was annoying. Um, the 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 female was annoying. The minute that she took her clothes off, I knew she was dead because we we're doing <laughs> slasher flick here. So I was like, yeah, you're a dead woman. You're not making it. You know, the minute you take your clothes off in a in a slasher flick, that's it. It's over. You're a dead woman. You're going to or be dead. If there's, if there's a pool, if there's yeah. a water scene, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to die in the pool. The minute you get to the pool, someone dying at the slasher flick. It's just, it's a rule. It's a trope. I and mean, that's exactly what we were talking about here. All these characters are tropes. You know, and then the way she died was so dumb blonde from the Friday the 13th movies. You know, I mean, it might as well had the, the, predator, or the predator throw a machete and pin her to the wall. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what happened. Um, so I mean, it was just it was just ridiculous, and and even the 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 boyfriend now suddenly he's he's the big man. He's going to avenge his he's not girl girlfriend. You know, she slept with the other guy like five thousand times. They were out front of your house doing the wild thing, but you were so attached to her that now you're going to charge this predator who just pinned your girlfriend to the wall like a pinata. You know, and you're going to charge him. But you know, I'm like, get out of here. Get, Get, bitch, please, you know, go away, you know. So that's just ridiculous. He should um, have been thanking the predator. Yeah, but the, but the character <laughs> I, the character I really want to talk about, and what was really annoying to me was, uh, the underpowered Mary Sue Ripley in this movie, <laughs> and the wannabe Newt. Uh, wannabe Newt came <laughs> within a, a whisker of saying. There's no real monster, or they mostly come out at night. Mostly, I mean, she was like a whisker away from saying at the end. I'm surprised they didn't go there. Yeah, I thought it was going there too. <laughs> yeah, and and then Mary Sue Ripley. Uh, she, I mean, she's not a full Mary Sue because she's not like full, you know, uber powered, but she's damn close. You know, first of all, this woman really gets on my nerves, and and here's the reason why. She comes back. She's got a pair of nods. All right. Now, if you've been in the military, you sneak a pair of you sneak a compass off base and bring it home with you. The MPs are showing up at your house and you're going to jail. I mean, they think compasses are secret weapon things. You spare bring night vision off the base. Yeah, you're hosed. You are screwed. You know, you are there. No way in hell. She's bringing this home and then she gives them to her daughter. You know, and it was just so blatantly transparent. Why the game? So it was just right there. I'm just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Then I want to know what this woman's MOS is because first she had access to yes. nods, okay, and then she brought them home. I'm like, okay. Then she's using a carbine. You know, it was either an M4 or an M16A2, and she's a crack shot. I'm like, what the hell? It's like this woman is firing from the hip and just taking things out at 50 yards like it's no big deal, and once again, we had the never-ending vial. Well, we had the never-ending, uh, you know. But this is a lot of movies do this. We had the never-ending magazine. I don't, I don't remember if it was twenty or thirty-round magazines they had in those weapons. But they, no one changed the magazine ever. And at one point, <laughs> I saw somebody fire off like hundred and fifty rounds out of the never-ending magazine. I was like, where in the hell is this ammunition coming from? So that's all going on. But the one that really got me, I'm like, okay, she's a good shot. She comes from Gunnison. In the rural town, okay, maybe I'll give that to you. She stole the nods. 
the I don't buy it. The MPs are showing up tomorrow, but by that time it's too late, you know. But I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll let it slide. But then she gets in and she's flying a Huey, a UH one from Vietnam. Like, who the hell is, is she Murdoch to from the 18? Like, what is going on here? How is this woman? She knows, she and she knows her way, and she knows her way around the APC as well. Yeah, and she could drive the APC. I mean, granted, I will say that driving military vehicles is not super difficult, but it's also not plug and play, you know, but flying a helicopter, that is a very specific skill set. It is not Mm. easy. And she just jumps in and she's flying Huey. Why? Because she was in the military. Where the hell did I, what did I miss? I missed it. I, you know, Vasquez kind of rolled into one. That was it. It's like, what, you know, what class did I miss when I was in the army? <laughs> because no one ever taught me how to fly a helicopter. I, I'd love to be able to fly a helicopter, but you say that they I said that like when I was in, like you would, uh, sometimes you get offered a chance to train up for a uh, yeah. rank. And so like, Hey, we need somebody to, to fill this niche. So you like, you go off to the school and like you, you get a new MOS or something. But I was like, I was sitting there like, Emma says like, how many MOSs has she gone through, yeah. man? She knows yeah. everything. Yeah. And my job, I mean, my job was to shoot down helicopters. So I know a lot about helicopters. I know how they move and everything else. But it's like nobody ever came to me and said, hey, Nemesis, now that you're done shooting down helicopters, why don't you come on over here and learn how to fly a helicopter? And then we'll give you spec ops training as well. So, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Mary, Mary Sue Ripley and, and Wannabe Newt really got on my nerves there. So. Yeah, with a lot of Vasquez dialed in to Don Ripley as well. Yeah, and, you know, again, no originality. Go ahead, Steve. Retro Town. <laughs> Retro Town. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, I had the similar feeling about the, about the nods. Um, I wasn't 100% sure, but it's like I spent enough time, you know, around people who have been in the military. Like, yeah, they would not bring home something like that. That didn't seem right to me. Um, but I will say in overall quality, it's just really amazing how over the last few films, there is such a downward arc in the quality of human characters from the <laughs> beginning. Like from we get Alien 1 where, you know, okay, yeah, they may not have been perfect, but at least you had Ripley and you had Tom Skerritt and you had some other guys. And then you get Aliens where you get probably the best cast we've seen so far. And then every single film has been worse and worse and worse. And, and, and like last film was pretty bad in that, you know, they were all forgettable. This one took a downward turn from there <laughs> and went into, they were all irritating and annoying. And I was happy to watch them get slaughtered by the monsters. <laughs> I, within 15 minutes, it's like, no, I don't like any of these characters. None of their arcs make any sense to me. Um, yeah, uh, just go and kill them now. And I'm just going to to have my fun watching them all die. That's, that's where I was like 15 minutes into the movie. Um, and, and, and it's because, uh, especially the main characters, okay. You have like the diet Winchesters, <laughs> the two brothers <laughs> that are completely a waste of time. Uh, and, and half the time. And so you have the, the older brother. It's like, okay, he's hanging around with the, the sheriff. Why is he hanging around with the sheriff? Why is the sheriff confiding in an ex con? Can you mind telling me that, uh, the, the sheriff goes and talks to this guy and he'll confide to him things that he wouldn't confide in the victim's wife. Like the victim's wife, he wouldn't tell that the victim had died, but he's going to tell this ex-con for reasons that are never explained. Like, show me something to establish why they would have this kind of relationship where he's willing to, to, to confide secrets that probably are not even legal to, to speak 
out in public. So from there, I knew that the sheriff was a complete joke. And then, uh, and then he got even more stupid later on. It's you know, suicidally stupid, um, especially with this whole thing. Yeah, we're going to listen to the colonel, and we're going to drive right in the middle of town. We're going to completely trust this guy, and no, he's not going to stab us in the back and try to get us all killed. Uh, th- yeah, we'll go ahead and go with that. He was a terrible leader from the beginning. Um, there were there were just points where it's like, okay, why is the sheriff going without a partner? Uh, you would think that investigating out in these dark places, you would have backup. Uh, and not like this ex-con, like real backup, somebody who's like actually a cop and who's trained. <laughs> yeah. no, not an unknown none of that. civilian. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's not even a matter of do they have these people out there? Do they have enough people? We've seen that they were able to get a pretty big manhunt out there at one point. And then the next day, it's like, okay, it's just going to be me. I'm not bringing any backup. <laughs> none of those guys that were last, they were last night, we're going to bring him. So yeah, this sheriff and and frankly, all the all these deputies were extremely stupid and it's like okay we're just waiting for them you know to be slaughtered um i couldn't stand the the kid brother you know the the not the not quite sam winchester character you know this guy who was really just absolutely annoying from the first scene he was in oh yeah i'm not gonna go and put my hat on for this job (laughs) that you know i'm making perfectly good money doing it's like okay uh, oh yeah you're gonna fire me okay i'll take the pizza there down there uh, God, I want this guy was so irritating, and that was the starting point. And then you you know you find out it's because he's obsessed with the stupid girl and her stupid boyfriend. Who you know this woman was stringing them both along, as far as I'm concerned. And and I and I'm just like, wow, what, you're what this woman is not worth going down into the sewers to get your keys over. Go and be <laughs> a man. Take your brother's backup if you have to, but be a man. Go in there and and get it straight. So, so that even made it worse when it's like, okay, we're going to try to show what a man he really is at the end with the with the machine gun. No, this is stupid and contrived. It makes absolutely no sense. We've already established he's a freaking coward, and we haven't seen that. Um, yeah, we haven't seen that he's earned any of it later on. You know, fighting these things, um, it's just absolutely a joke. Um, everybody else is just completely worthless. I mean, you got all these other kids that are completely stupid and and completely. You know, they're just to be killed. Um, yeah, the, I, I'll kind of defer to you guys as far as like Ripley and Newt. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. Uh, there were definitely moments where they were like, you know, repeating, uh, you know, lines, you know, subtly from, from previous films. They even right. actually yeah. uh, ripped off Terminator 2 with, uh, yeah, uh, we're not going to make it, are we? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, because it's in your nature to destroy us. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, oh my god, this, these these characters are insufferable. And so when the, when the when the blonde woman gets killed, by the time the one blonde woman gets killed, I'm just like, thank you, thank you for taking. <laughs> she was awful, and I was just disappointed that he didn't kill the brother a minute later. And just like, why did you kill him? You had no reason not to kill him. We want to see him die. He is annoying. Kill him. No, no, no. He survives in, in, until the end. Of course, I don't. I think he's dead anyway. But we're going to get into that when we talk yeah. about the ending. No, that more than likely. So yeah, yeah um, every single character I, is terrible. Um, I, I will say though, there was one other missed opportunity, and that was with the the bums in in the sewer. You could have had some really good tense moments out with the aliens in the sewers. And we never got a single one when they were out there getting the getting the, the the keys. This would have been the time to have an alien go and attack them. But instead, all we get is this moment where they're turning the, the light on them, and it's like, oh, I don't know what that is. 
it's an alien. It's it's obvious that it's an alien. Why aren't you running from this thing? No, or or doing something. No, no, it's obvious that's an alien. But no, we don't we don't it's a complete wasted opportunity. The bums are completely wasted. The the dog down there is completely wasted. That could have been, you know, as much as I don't like seeing dogs get killed, uh at least you could have had another dog alien with that. That yeah. that's completely wasted as well. Um just so anything that wasn't wasted, it was a waste of space and should have been killed long before and wasn't. Um, yeah, I hated every single one of them. The only character <laughs> I had any attachment to whatsoever was the Predator. That is how bad this happened. <laughs> the only other thing I'll add is you hit on it a little bit when uh, the sheriff, they drive in the middle of town, and that lady, she turns to the to the to the sergeant or the you know Mary Sue Ripley, and who's telling them, you know, no, we shouldn't listen to them. It goes, well, the government wouldn't lie to us, and I was like. Yeah. I was, I, laughed. I was laughing. I laughed and laughed. I even posted the, the Jonah Jameson meme when I talked about that because yeah. it was ridiculous. And even all the characters in there are looking like, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> Nobody even in the story believes this, this, this nonsense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then what ends up happening, the government absolutely betrays them yeah. and tries to have him, have him killed. Ridiculous! I, I, I got whiplash from that one. It was so bad. I was, nope. like, I was like, "What?" Did There's you so many say? unintentional funny moments in this movie, and it's okay, because of the so, characters being stupid. So we've got uh, Mary Sue Vasquez Ripley. We got 25% Newt. We got Sheriff Dewey from Scream. We got <laughs> Joey Dawson and Pacey, and then we've got Joss Whedon Blonde because that's what she was. Yeah, she's a blonde yeah. as written by Whedon, and she died like that too. I'm like, how is it? We don't like none of y'all. We don't even remember <laughs> your names. But okay, all right. So let's move on to the next part that I'm, you know, I'm gonna block out of my mind since we talk about it because I'm hungry and I don't want to think about it. But we gotta talk about it covering this film, and that is that the sheer amount of gore and violence done against children and pregnant women and babies in this film. I, I can't really wrap my head around it because it doesn't serve a purpose narratively. It seems like it's just there to be gross or sadistic. And I'm like, I, you know, okay, if you're going to have any type of monster film, and I literally mean any type, I mean from The Invisible Man to A Godzilla versus Kong to Mothra, you name it, Jason Freddy, anything. The one thing you want to do is learn something new about the monster. You want to see something that you haven't seen before. Now, Jeff rightly pointed out in terms of the Predator and its weapons, and in terms of, of things we haven't seen before, like the double shoulder cannon and all that, we did get at least an incremental change in that area. But what makes it interesting is that there were actually more layers to the creature than you presupposed. And then it surprises you with some behavior that you didn't see coming. So we want to learn something new. But here, it's like you had what could have been a really good idea and uh, just uh, postulate about it being an alien king could have actually gone somewhere had that been written well. But instead, this thing seems to have, or this movie seems to have a penchant for kids and pregnant women and babies. And I'm like, narratively, why? Okay, we already know what these things are. We already know what they'll do. You know, it's just it's just 
gore for gore's sake. And I was just really grossed out, which is why I never watched the film again, you know, review stuff, you know, aside or whatever. But I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to see that. I just really don't. So if ever it's on TV or anything, I'll watch the early scenes with the mafia predator and the blue liquid. And then I pretty much just turn to something else because I'm like, I don't want to see that. So I want to know, like, what your response was to the, you know, first scene we got a face hugger with the kid. I was like, okay, that kind of set a tone. But then we have the pregnant woman. And then we have the scene in the maternity ward, which this thing has super bursters because all it has to do is infect you. And five minutes later, somehow human babies have turned alien. But really? Really? No, no, don't need to see that like ever again in this life or the next. So uh, I was just like grossed out. And so if I wasn't already out of the film, that pushed me back so far until I was like, uh, mm -mm -mm. nope. So I want to hear your thoughts on that level of what I consider to be absolutely unnecessary gore. Uh, you first, Nemesis. Yeah, this was this was hard for me. Uh, well, like I said, like it's already been mentioned, but I'm going to be kind of serious here for a second. I, I do write horror. I write some very disturbing things. Um, the thing with the babies and the, the nursery and that it was fascinated with them. I was, I was horrified, but I kind of liked it. And then they, and I liked the idea and they left it alone. And it was just established something very visceral and maybe angry and it was disturbing. And I never saw what happened to those infants in the nursery. Okay. But then the thing with the pregnant lady, first of all, they gave us another thing brand new with the alien uh, biology, where it was like pumping something into this pregnant woman. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I mean, I, I said this jokingly, but it really was like it was like tentacles or something. You know, it was like something tentacle something. I'm not going to put the last word, but from Japan, it was like disturbing on that level. Watching that, and and then the the aliens come out of this woman and i'm like well, what the hell just what the hell did i just watch i actually said that that's when i flipped i turned the movie i flipped around and the universe didn't want me to keep watching the movie because i spilled my coffee over my entire keyboard <laughs> and almost shorted my keyboard out i mean that's how bad it was i was like i gotta walk away and i say all that you know i'm gonna just shameless plug in here i got a book coming out next month uh the long game but in there i have scenes in there where there are rapes and physical assaults and a woman, a, a girl is abused. And I hint around it and I show you the after effects of the attack in one instance, but I debated whether or not I should write the attack in all its graphic detail. And I said, no, I said, no, because anything I do is going to be gratuitous and what you can make up in your own mind is 10 times worse than anything I could put on the written on the page. And I think that's exactly what's going on here. It's like, you did not need to show us if when you just showed him that predalien going to the nursery, that was disturbing enough that if you had cut it off there yeah, and just hinted that the babies got killed, I'd have been like that. That's effed up. That's that's that really makes me hit the predalien and root for the predator even more. And, and I would have been fine with it. But then you had to go the next step and, and just try and shock me with horror. You know, it's human centipede type stuff. It's like, I, I didn't need to see that. You know, I didn't need to see it. It didn't add anything to it. And all it did was make me 
not want to see it ever again, you know, because what my mind could come up with what happened to those babies is bad enough. And it's like, and, and it just, it's playing on my own fears. I mean, Hitchcock was a master at this of showing you a little bit and letting you fill in the rest, you know? And, and when you do stuff like that, to me, that's me, you thinking that you're cleverer than you are. And you're just trying to, to shock people and give them some cheap horror, you know, some cheap value, some cheap horror tricks or whatever. And it, it just, it cheapens the movie as far as I'm concerned. Well, uh, uh, it's funny you should mention that because, you know, I got a lot of flack from some people about, you know, my novel, uh, which turned into a series because I wrote about how the war in heaven got started and how Lucifer becomes a devil. And part of it is there's a scripture where Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. That struck me. Hmm. I was like, huh, a murderer from the beginning. So who did he kill? So there's this whole fascination that they have with death and it's new to angels. And so I did a lot with the idea, but everything that I did was scriptural. But to me, it's contextual because we're talking about the war in heaven and we're talking about the devil and we're talking about heaven and heaven. We're talking about the extremes of anything beyond anything we could imagine. So I thought all that stuff kind of, kind of stuff was fair game because it makes sense to me to show a progression. It's like an Anakin Skywalker thing. You once were on the light side then you turn dark sided. Why? So that's kind of, you know, so to me, like, you know, if the statement is made, you were a murderer, then we need to know why you did, why you did that. So I'm just saying that to say in that kind of context, I feel like that kind of progression is justified because you're going from something to something and it makes sense for the character. This kind of, this kind of just, you know, graphic hor horrificness to me is not justified from any angle. Not from any, and not from a story angle, not from a mythology angle, not just no angle does this work for me. So I was just like, you know, okay. Uh, I, so think anyway, the, I think the word we're looking for is gratuitous. Yeah. Okay, gratuitous gore. Okay. So go ahead, Steve. What do you think about just the sheer disgusting gore? Yeah, gratuitous is the best word for it. Um, I, I feel like they, you know, I, on the one hand, it's like, okay, we've seen kids be used in these movies before. But they were used better. <laughs> they were used for a purpose, and they were not used like this. Um, and 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 to keep in mind, like, okay, um, I don't necessarily write things that are that horrific, but at least I understand why you know a certain amount of of, of you know blood and gore and all that is necessary. I mean, this is horror. We expect a certain amount of this. Um, I think that they cross the line, and um, with with this. Um, Newt, um, originally, when they brought her in, yeah, we, we fear for her more because she's a child. Uh, but there was also a purpose that she served. You know, she was somebody who was the uh, surrogate daughter to Ripley who had lost a child. Uh, and, and that whole arc was about them finding each other, you know, about, you know, Ripley finding a purpose and something new to protect. And, you know, so threatening Newt made sense because Ripley is confronting her fear of losing her daughter, uh, her second daughter. Uh, the way that she lost her first one. Okay, so there there is a logical reason to put the child in jeopardy in that movie. And it was done better, uh, both with the Alien Queen and the trap that was set by Burke. You know, but there was never anything where we saw Newt actually be hurt on a, on a deep level that she couldn't come back from. Um, we never saw any of that. 
Um, we, she, we never saw that she was threatened unnecessarily. There was always a reason behind it. There was always a narrative purpose behind it and a character purpose behind it. And so, you know, you kind of understand that. With this movie, it's like there is no reason whatsoever why they're doing this to the little girl early on, um, except that, oh, yeah, you know, she's obviously got the, the, the binoculars that can see these things. So obviously, because we have set up this chocolate gun, we have to have her see something. And so we have to have to threaten her. Okay, for what reason? Why, why her? Why this house? Um, you know, why, you know, what is the, the character reason behind this? You know, we, we just don't see anything because we don't care about this child and we don't care about the mother either. So there is no uh, reasonable threat. Um, so it's just basically threatening her because she's a child and because, you know, it, it, it causes a, a reaction in us, you know, when we see a child threatened. That's it. And it gets even worse when you talk about the hospital scene. Mm -hmm. There was no reason to have any of this happen. There was no reason why they had to have this in a hospital. None at all. Um, except, you know, the minute that they start showing all these babies there and you start seeing that the, that the pred alien is there, you, you immediately know that these kids are dead. There is no way that they could survive this. There, there's, there's nothing that shows uh, how the pred alien might be driven off or, or, or any reason why it wouldn't come for these babies. So I have to assume, uh, even if we don't necessarily see the gore and carnage, you know, my immediate thought is these kids are dead. They, they have massacred these babies. And, 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 and for what reason? What, what does it serve? What character purpose does it serve? None. It's purely for shock. Purely 100% gratuitous for shock and for no other reason. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And then they took it a step further by going in and threatening these pregnant mothers, um, which we do see the, the alien attack. And then we saw the whole business with the tentacles. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, for, for the reasons that Nemesis already talked about. I mean, it, it's clear that the, that, the, that the alien is just having its way with all of these, these, these helpless victims in the hospital. And, and nothing, nothing is, is, is caused by it. Nothing, there's no story purpose behind it. Uh, there's no reason why the, like the alien couldn't have threatened someone else or some other place or anything. It is just because it hits that primal reaction of women and children getting assaulted by this by this horrible thing and being revulsed by it. And, and that's the reaction that I have. It was taken out of the movie because I'm sickened. I'm disgusted watching this. This, this is completely beyond what I expect, even from a horror movie. That, that is how bad this is. And I just don't see any reason why this had to be in the movie. Um, you could have, like many things in this movie, it could have been replaced with anything and it would have worked the same. Um, so yeah, I, the, absolutely unnecessary, absolutely disgusting. Um, I, I don't know why this is here. I agree with all those words, sick and disgusting, gratuitous, I agree with all that. Let me say this before I throw it to Bracey because I want to give Jeff a chance to address what I'm about to say. Um, and that's this. Another thing that I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional, but it seems like there's conflicting motivations between the species. If you go back, you remember that we saw the dog alien was the only alien we've ever seen actually eat people because that dog alien ate quite a few people and we saw it. But that's the only time we ever saw them using us like directly for food. So we have a species who's programmed to hunt for sport. 
and who has some level of honor in that hunt, combined with a species that is aggressive, but is mainly driven to reproduce. So maybe they were trying to show the reproduction thing. I don't know. It was just really, really disgusting. But I felt like I didn't understand in combining the two species what the thing's motivation is. So maybe you can do all these new things or whatever, but I'm like, is it trying to reproduce like aliens do? Or is it hunt for sport like predators do? Or like what kind of like, what is the deal? So Bracey, uh, take it from there and give me your feedback on the gore, but also the thoughts of the combination species motivations. You know, I never thought about that before. I want to address that point first. Okay. Uh, I think you've actually hit on a very interesting idea that this was the first species that the Yachua, which is what they call them in the comics and the, uh, the novels and things, the predators, this might've been the species that they developed their whole hunting culture around because we Ooh. see how the aliens uh, multiply prolifically. Mm-hmm. So in order to uh, halt this plague of locusts, you need somebody to keep them in check. I like to think that this is that whole Darwinian balance and counterbalance of nature on a cosmic scale. That's kind of a fun idea. Now, allow me to blow your minds. This is what I've been weighing on. It's, it's been really interesting watching each of you talk about this because each of you did not see what I saw. And I will tell you, in fact, that the gore was not only not gratuitous, but necessary. And particularly the hospital scenes. I'm all ears. All right. First one thing that I love seeing for the first time ever in one of these films is when dad shoots uh, a facehugger leaping at him and his kid, uh, that the acid eats clean through his arm and his arm falls off. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing has always bothered me from the second movie on is anytime somebody gets hit with acid, they might die, they might not die. When we saw just a few drops of acid, in the first movie, sizzle through three steel decks. Why is it not going clean through people? Why are they not losing limbs, heads, you know, uh, stuff like that? They should have smoking holes in their chest, all that kind of thing. Not just like, oh, Hicks, you're you're looking kind of rough there, you know. He's got to be way on, like, the misty side of that splash, not to have, like, his entire head just eaten away. So I was glad to see that happen for a change. Uh, Second, I have stated this movie is the anti-AVP movie. What do we do to assert that? That movie was PG-13. We go ahead and set the tone on this with an R. And I go beyond my friends because in my DVD collection, I have the uncut, unrated version of this film. Yes, indeed. So what do we do? We establish the killing of the kids. Now, I was rooting for the kid to get out of there. I always do. But if you're going to kill the kid, I'm like, kill the kid. So I actually appreciate (laughs) movies that go there because that is a trope on the positive end. We usually save the kids. We will kill the women and, you know, we'll kill the women, we'll kill the men. But usually the kid gets to get away. But, you know, uh, Gamma del Toro uh, did it in Mimic. He, like, wiped out a couple of kids in a subway. Uh, John Guler did it with a feast. You know, they uh, or uh, whoever wrote that, he directed it. Uh, You know, they, they killed the protagonist kid. In that film, like the whole meaning of all this stuff that she's doing to survive, like including like letting her boss bang her twice a night, uh, you know, all this is just for a kid because she's a single mom. And then they take out the kid as like, oh, that is brutal. But I, I kind of appreciate that. That's like that's like the Whedon, you know, has to kill somebody like taken to the nth degree. 
in a, in a fashion. And unlike you, Nemesis, I don't just write horror. I draw it. So sometimes I like to see the visceral horror. I understand the whole premise of like the jaws, you know, the thing is scary when you don't see it, but sometimes it's also really excellent when you do see it. In that case, I point to movies like uh, uh, the opening scene of Jeepers Creepers 2, uh, which you have the creeper out in the broad daylight. And also the Korean, the excellent Korean monster film host where a major attack happens in broad daylight and you get to see everything. Sometimes it's really worth it to have that visceral visual impact. Now, Here's why I have to get into the biology of this creature a little bit. And uh, we can go back and discuss some of the costume issues uh, later as well. Uh, but I want to get into this because I don't want to uh, take too much time on this. Um, so, um, my thesis about this thing being an alien king. Now, this does mean that we didn't need a facehugger to start with. Because this thing can uh, generate its own progeny. This is why I think it's a king. Note that every male in the film uh the two the the father and the son uh the bums uh several other male characters they're attacked by face huggers the one time an alien tries to uh go after the female bum in the sewer the pred alien decks him asserting dominance and then he leans in on her and we keep seeing like what's he doing what's he doing what's he doing he leans on her he leans on the lady at the cafe and then we finally get the answer, even though like later on we would see the, the exploded stomachs. We're not getting the whole picture here. How are they propagating so quickly? We never see a queen. We never see eggs. It's the predalien. He didn't. He only brought down a few facehuggers. We never see them egg morphing anybody. And alien, we know, is a metaphor for rape. I mean, the original alien had a very penis-shaped head. The facehugger rapes you orally uh, to implant its pregnancy in you. You know, it's like the life cycle of the uh, the tarantula hawk wasp. So what does this thing do? It, it grabs you with its face, and it's like uh, the face mandibles can actually make a little bit more sense here. And I wish they had been designed a little bit differently so they would come around like this instead of doing the regular predator thing. Because I like the idea of them actually grabbing the face. It shoots its pharyngeal jaw down your throat, and as we see, it starts pumping something in there. It's pumping embryos into them. So it keeps attacking women to impregnate them. Notice it kills men. It lets the aliens uh, face hug the men, but it goes after the women specifically. It is impregnating them. It is an alien king. It has dominance over the drones. And so we further get that. We see that something's going down her throat. And then uh, this is why we don't need a queen hive uh, because this thing can supplant uh, multiple embryos inside. And, um, it seems to require the womb structure to really make this work because it understands the difference between male and female of our species. And then like they just erupt in like not a single chest sucker, but a or chest burster, but a mass of them coming out. This is why the town got overrun so quickly. And this is why I th say this creature is not just a prey alien, but it is an alien king. It has the massive crest. It has the dominance and it doesn't lay eggs, which is a very female centric thing to do in biology. It impregnates. And that's why all of that was necessary. I think I need to take a shower now. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think it works uh, on a biological level, but in terms of like story and character, no. I still not. say, like, if you didn't have that, you guys would be wondering, like, so why is he always biting women in the face? No, I'll give you points on, on that explanation it. because uh, I do think if your theory that it's a king is true, then it has seed and not eggs. So 
I'll give you points for the theory, but we still didn't need to see all that we saw. I don't think still... you put it together without the visual. I think, I think though, my thought is that if you're going to do that, if that is, is, is what you're aiming for and I see what you're saying and I'll give you points for it, it making sense, you know, whether it was a tenor or not, it's like, as a filmmaker, you got to do a heck of a lot better job showing me what is going on and explaining what's going on. Because just from a moviegoer perspective, it looks like you just wanted to show something being shoved down this pregnant woman's throat and, and all the yeah. other stuff. No, no, I, I totally get it. I to totally get that this is not going to be to everybody's taste. And again, yeah. it's probably only my super nerdism that allowed me to put all that together. Because I even told you, in the in the press releases, the the special effects people were saying that the pred alien was a queen, and I emailed them and I said, "No, guys, you've actually created the first on screen alien king," and they were like, "Crap, I think you're right, man." Yeah, okay. but, I mean, but but that means they didn't know what they was this, doing. With this very <laughs> same I mean, argument that I just presented to all of you, I mean, and, and I will say that there are times when the unspeakable or unwatchable thing. Is appropriate to have on the screen mm -hmm. um, when you see it, and it, it just shocks the conscience so much, or or shocks the reader, or whatever. I definitely agree that there are times to do that. Um, I just disagree with you on this one. I, I just I, I also think with, we didn't see the the infants attack. I think that was once again a nod because there are nods in this movie to previous movies. That that was the Jones yeah. and the cat but they, movement. But well, I mean, we well, definitely make the off the inference that all these babies are slaughtered. But, but, but I think it's very the, purposeful that they didn't show like somebody passing by and seeing a nursery full of blood or something like that. But see, but seeing the embryo xenomorphs come out of a pregnant woman's stomach tells me that 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 fetus that was there is dead. Yes, yeah, pregnant woman is dead, and yeah, it's just. Well, see, here's here's one scene. Uh, because it's not again, Bracey. I don't. Under, it's not that I don't understand what you're saying. Right. It's not that I don't think it's a well-made argument. But the the times when I'm able to make that argument myself is in movies like uh, Amistad or TV stories like Roots, when you see slaves stacked on one another. Because that's what happened. Like star, sardines, and when you see slaves trying to jump off a ship and would rather drown. And when you see anything having to do with slave trade, uh, just the the sheer brutality of the transport alone. If I see something like that depicted on film, because it's a, it's a historical event, even though it's a very horrific one, I can pretty much justify that in my mind because it happened. And it's probably actually worse than they're able to show on film. That's pretty much the only time in my mind where something gets ugly like that and you know, seeing it is kind of a, a more of a reality check and a slap in the face. I've even heard Bishop Jake say he went he went somewhere that was a a, a, a mainstay of slavery, and he said the stench of the slave ships are still in the land. So if you go there, you can smell it, and that just blew my mind. So yeah, I think, that's, but that's I think this is where story I where I can I can follow that level of visceral disgust but you know and like i said it's it's what you say all the time you got to work so hard to put all that together and the movie if the movie is about an alien king the movie should have made it clear 
in some other way <laughs> that there was something different and all different kinds of stuff. You have to work so hard to make See, all that me, work. I didn't actually have to work that hard. I like I I picked all that up out of the context on the first viewing, even though that wasn't the intention of the filmmakers apparently. Uh, but that just shows like a a difference of perspective Jupiter. or a difference of taste. Like for instance, like oh. uh, scenes like that that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, this is why I don't like slasher movies so much uh, because I uh, I don't like to see a human being doing horrible things to another human being because that is real and that's visceral and that occurs. Whereas I see something fantastical like this, I can compartmentalize that to the point where it doesn't bother me because this is a scenario that will never happen. And I guess I can just view it in a different manner than most people do. I think the last thing I would say is from an artistic standpoint, whatever it is you're going to do, I mean, I guess you could do almost anything, but with whatever you do, you are creating a bill for yourself as the artist, as the writer, as the whatever, the screen, screen. Sure, this is all part of your brand. Yeah, well, and, and it's a bill and yeah. you've got to, and that bill is going to come due at the end of the story. So if you don't pay off that bill, you know, and this is a big, there's a big old matzo ball hanging out there. You you just took on a huge debt with this seed. So, okay, if that's what you're going to do, then you better damn well pay it off. Because you just asked us to watch this, you know, and this is not to you. I'm talking about to the, to the, sure. to the movie maker and to the, to the, for the average person watching it and everything. It's like, if, if you're going to take on that debt, that emotional debt, you know, if you're going to write that rape scene, if you're going to write whatever it is, then you better pay it off. Because if not, then then you you're in debt to to your viewer, to your reader, and and it usually doesn't work out well. So no, and you're, and you're right. You're, this, you're, this, this is a movie that requires some catharsis, just like Alien Three did. You know, with like here we see a level of escalation going on throughout the film. And then we don't get an equal level of payoff. Well, now, we all agree this film is flawed in many, many ways. But, you know, as you guys are uh, tearing it down, I'm going after the things that I actually, for lack yeah, of a better fair. word, appreciate about yeah. the film. Well, we're, but I we're totally all, understand where you're coming from. We're all bummed now because we're so grossed out. So we're going to move on. But <laughs> I, will say this, I will say this before we get off the subject. And the last thing we're going to talk about is the actual ending of the film. I will say this. This is where my uh, survivalist slash nerd character would come in because uh, when Nemesis said talking about setting up the debt and setting up the payoff, that's mm-hmm. absolutely 100% true. That's spot on straight down the middle. It's one of the staples of storytelling. If we had had survivalist guy say just a few lines, that's how they're spreading so fast. Yeah. Somebody says, what do you mean? Said, that thing is not a queen. That's a king. If if he just said that, then, you know, I still wouldn't have agreed with all that other stuff, but we wouldn't have to work as hard. We wouldn't have to, you know, take, you know, super nerd (laughs) pathways to get to the point where why that's happening. And what you said would have made more sense of why it was acting the way it was acting and maybe why the predators were so afraid of it. It could have tied up a little loose ends. Very rarely do I see situations where just a few lines couldn't have tweaked it into something much better. So based on your very excellent argument, if someone had acknowledged that in the film and that that's why it was behaving differently and that's why all these things were happening and that thing, you know, they could have compared it to a rooster. 
or they could yeah. have compared it to the male dragon and rain of fire. It's like that's why you see what I'm saying. They need, have a, they need an expert on that character on the on on these species to be able to right. say that. So they right. needed that character introduced, and there wasn't one. Right, right. We need a Brent Spiner. We need a Jeff Goldblum. We mm. need anybody. Joss Whedon writes. We need we need that guy. But okay, we'll move on because we all have to take a shower now. So we'll go through the, the final ending of the film. I am bathing in the gore. Yeah. As opposed to Super Bracey, who's in his element. So we, uh, the final ending of the film is supposed to be a fight between the two and they both get mortally wounded. And then, of course, we finally come in with the Scorched Earth policy, which is the same thing they did at the end of the first Avengers, except Iron Man stopped it. And uh, of course, that's what's going to happen. And the government will lie to you and everybody. I mean, we all knew as soon as we saw the evacuations. I'm like, this town is toast with it. <laughs> Y'all better. You couldn't fly out of there. You could fly like Khalil. You couldn't get out of there fast enough. <laughs> because they are, you are going to be a ball of dirt on the map in about 10 more minutes. Like no one will ever know there was a town there is what's about to happen. So we all saw that coming. But the final fight between the two. Once again, I have to say, I know they mortally wounded each other, but it doesn't make any sense at the front of the film to say that this thing that is literally less than an hour old and it's gone from, you know, Captain Wormface to a nine foot tall, you know, Predalien King is going toe to toe with one super cleaner mafia predator and they're kind of holding their own. That should have been like Drago and Apollo. Like I'm in the ring with you, but. But it's obvious from the beginning that this is not a match, but that's not quite what happened. And then the whole thing was lit so darkly. I know Jeff says that was, you know, a good thing in terms of the cinematography and taking chances artistically. But I was like, you can't see what's happening. I'm like, if you're going to have a monster versus film, you know, we at least want to see the monsters in the verses. <laughs> but, you know, it was just so dark. And I was like, what just happened? Just what, you, you know. And and the the power balance made no sense to me, you know, based on everything we've seen up to that point. I was like, yeah, okay. And then at the very end, we got Dodd Ripley waking up and they're surrounded. I'm sorry, I she would have got shot. I was kind of hoping she would have got shot. <laughs> they could have shot you, but you know, nothing about the ending of the film left me with anything I would want to retain. I didn't have any hope. I didn't want to see a sequel. I still hadn't found anyone I was rooting for. Uh, whatever it was I learned about the creatures, it was gone and it didn't feel significant enough for me to want to revisit the film. And I was like, see, this is where I have to chime in on what Nemesis said. And that is, you've at least got to do a good job at storytelling, even if we don't like the story. You know, it's like, it's like a well-cooked dish of food that you don't like. If it's food you don't like to eat, but it's a chef's, Strong suit, you can at least knowledge, acknowledge, excuse me, that they make that dish really, really well. It's just not for me. But you at least have to make the dish well and say that, I, you know, it's just not something I enjoy, but I can acknowledge that that is awesome. But this film had the opposite effect. I'm like, you didn't make the dish well. You didn't tell the story well. You didn't give me anything by the end of the film that would make me want to visit the story world again. And that's your job as a writer and a director and an editor. You need to make me want to come back this to this world again for some reason. And there was, let me take my glove off, this many. <laughs> Goose egg, zero, zilch, not a bupkis. I would ever want to see any of this again like ever. 
And I was like, the only thing I was going to see is Alien versus Predator High School. They go to the high school and they just kill all y'all. Alien versus Predator Riverdale. I watched that one. They just kill all y'all. I might watch that one. But other than that, I'm like, and I don't like coming off of my entertainment. And I and I got to take 14 showers. I'm like, you know, there's real life. I got to do with real life. And here's my escapism. That's disgusting. Okay, well, let me get some bleach. Let me get some spaghetti. I'm going to be all right. So, I, you know, I just at the end of it, I was just like, I really need that time machine, man. We need to invent a get my movie time time machine back. Because the four of us, we, we can do it. When we get to the end of the movie and we're just shaking our head, we're like, Boop. I ain't watching that no more. And I got my two hours back. Okay, so, so let me hear your thoughts about the ending, everything that happens with the ending from the final fight to the Scorchers to the, you know, Vasquez Ripley surviving, all that. Uh, start with Nemesis. Uh, yeah, the final fight was a fight. I mean, um, yeah, there was some stuff there. Once again, his motivations didn't make any sense to me as this predator and is that much stronger than him physically. Uh, why is he going hand to hand with it? You know, find some sort of weapon, do something, do something. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, more, I mean, it was cool to watch. I, I enjoyed it. What I could see of it. I did think it was a little dark for me as well, but that's either here nor there. Uh, the dude, the guy that we all hate, the younger brother with the, the pistol firing at the end. I'm like, get out of here. You know, first of all, that he's conscious to fire that pistol was ridiculous in and of itself. And then it just, I just I didn't buy it. You know, I didn't buy her flying away in the helicopter. I didn't buy the, them surviving the helicopter crash because it seems pretty obvious that that was not a Moab. That was not a fuel air explosive. That was a nuke. That was a full-on <laughs> nuke they dropped on that town, which mm -hmm. means those people in that, first of all, no special forces are going near there without having some level of uh, mop gear on because, you know, protective gear. Mm -hmm. And those people are dead. They're dead, 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 dead. But, okay, let's assume they survived. Yeah, they're going to be in the same cell as the survivor from the Antarctic thing that happened a couple days earlier. You know, they're going to be on the same black site. You know, so they're never seeing the light of day again. And then the, la the last thing I'll say is uh, then the people who make this movie decide to be edgy and throw out a name at the end and tell mm -hmm. us that Mutani was the one, you know, Miss Mutani was the one. And I'm like, look, I, this is when I wanted to sit down with the director and be like, look at my eye. You, know? <laughs> uh, you can't do this at the end. It's like if you wanted an expert character who is in the government, who's tracking all this stuff and is giving us a backstory to set up a franchise, uh, that should have gone at the beginning. Then we could have like hated Mutani. That's the person we would love to hate. And you set up a whole arc. But now you're just throwing this out there because you're trying to butter up to us. I was like, uh, mm -mm, no, right. sorry. Right. It's over. They're trying it's to suck up when it's too yeah. late. Throwing yeah. in Mutani and all of a sudden we're supposed to be interested and that's the yeah. final thing. Yeah, it's it's over, Johnny. It's over. It's over. <laughs> if you drop a bomb so big that the roaches ain't going to survive, the people can't either. I'm just saying. Go ahead, yeah. Steve. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I will say that Utani should have been the character that they brought in uh, for exposition about what the pre Alien King was. Okay, mm -hmm. if, that, if they had is. done that, that would have made sense. And that would have connected to the lore and it would have brought everything together in a way that would have been 
uh, at least a little bit more satisfying than what we got. So yeah, that, that would have been the time to bring her in. Instead, they decided to use her to tease a movie that everyone knows will never, ever happen. <laughs> Reading my lips, never happen. This movie was that much of a bomb that we will never see this, uh, you know, follow up on ever. Okay. So this character is wasted. You know, I might have wanted to know more about her. I was curious about her. That's about one of the few things I was curious about was Yutani. Uh, but no, 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 no. We only get her for like a scene and nothing. And nothing's explained about her either. Like, who, like, okay, I guess she's, you know, uh, a part of some, you know, the company, uh, one of the companies interested in the aliens. Okay, fine. But establish what her connection is and why this colonel is reporting to her. You know, is she a defense contractor? Is, you know, is she a public official of some kind? Uh, is she like a secretary or a cabinet official? I mean, because you, honestly, if you're going to get a nuclear um, strike, you know, authorized on an American city, I would think the president would have to approve that. I don't know. Maybe somebody knows more than I do. But I would presume that the president <laughs> would have to approve that. That's um, right. And this is never brought up. So, you know, who is she that she has that kind of pull? I would have liked to have known that. We never that find this out. Yeah, a nuclear bomb falling on continental U.S. might be in the news as well. So, just be I wouldn't you think? Might I would think so. Yeah, I would. Think. <laughs> this, terrorists. <laughs> this movie picks up the spin. at the end of last movie, which establishes that Whalen and Utani are in the same time frame. Right, right, right. So and Whalen they dies. They haven't emerged yet? Yeah. Right, they haven't emerged yet. Right. So, but Whalen dies in that movie. So his company goes on. I guess his name goes on. And then we get this now at Utani. And remember how I talked about a better movie there. At some point, it's what Steve said, we're going to never see it. But at some point, if we saw the merger movie, if we saw the thing that brings this giant conglomerate together and it's corporate greed at a new level, it's just a room full of Burks. And they're talking about all the things that could be done. Because and now we know that they know about predators I, and morphs. I don't want to take a super long time because we're running long and we need to get to Jeff, but all your ideas, if we had gotten Mutani at the beginning, establishing as a bad guy, if we had gotten the conspiracy theorists talking about how he's monitoring stuff, he monitored the satellite and Whalen, you know, communications, he broke into Whalen and Whalen companies going down there. Suddenly we do have a franchise started. We have a universe yeah. started. So Yeah, that, and there was some, some pretty good stuff, but I, I, I'm going to have to, I want to kind of get a couple of things out before we go to Jeff. Uh, and one of them is is that definitely um, all these characters are dead, 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 <laughs> dead. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, there would have been a crash because, you know, nobody would be able to see because the nuclear strike would have blinded them. Probably they probably would have gotten cataracts and not being even be able to see there. They would not have been able to have a reasonable landing probably after that first blinding flash, which we saw. We saw that they were close enough to it to have that flash. So so, so yeah, these guys are not seeing. They are crashing. How did they land reasonably? Yeah, and I also have to go along with what uh, Nemesis said. There is no way in the world that I buy, you know, these troops going out there without radiation suits or something to protect themselves uh, from what they knew would have been radioactive. They, they knew it in advance. It's not that they didn't know it and they were surprised by this. They should have been informed, yeah, maybe you ought to go out there uh, and put on your hazmat suits you know, because we're expecting high levels of radiation within the next uh, 24 hours, something like that. They would have known. There is no way in the world that they would have gone out without any kind of any protection whatsoever. And and on top of that, 
like these survivors of this, which there shouldn't have been any, but if there have been survivors, yeah, these guys have severe radiation poisoning and they're not surviving the rest of the day. Um, they probably would have gotten severe rads uh, from all of that. And who knows what level they would have gotten them at. I, I, I would imagine if they had met, if they hadn't gotten severe radiation burns, uh, they certainly would, would all have been, uh, you know, radioactive to the point where they probably are, are, have severe cancer and things like this and losing hair. There's no way that they come out looking Hollywood clean, you know, looking <laughs> like that. No way in the world that close to a nuclear strike. I do not buy it. And uh, another thing that was really stupid before I give this to Jeff is, uh, okay, they're, they're sitting there waiting down on, on the platform to take off on the helicopter uh, while uh, not Dean Winchester goes off and does whatever it is he's doing. I do not buy that they would have sat there and waited for him to come back. They should have left at that point, especially since we got an alien like the next second, you know, hitting the windshield. Uh, assuming even if I buy the bit about this woman being able to fly, you know, the helicopter, which I'm, I'm going to defer to Nemesis on that. I assume he knows this. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to defer to him on that. But even, even if he's wrong somehow, which I don't believe, but even if he was wrong, there is no way they would be sitting on the platform waiting for not Dean to show up. They would be leaving. <laughs> not like, with not care. with her daughter in the back. You're, you're, just warn your brother later. We're getting out of here. There is no way that they would have stayed in that position. Uh, everything about this is ridiculous. And on top of that, we don't even get a resolution of the, the alien uh, predator versus pred alien fight. Uh, and the predator never even gets a victory. They just get both get atomized just to get rid of them. Uh, I, I didn't like that either. I wish that the, this predator had survived uh, rather than killing them like they do in every single one. I mean, it, it's just so boring and repetitive. Nothing was there. What a waste. Uh, this ending was not 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 well thought out at all. I was like, did y'all not see Terminator 2? Didn't you see Sarah Connor's nuclear dream? Then you see her holding on to the fence and then she's just skull and bones. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, like a... They don't have to worry about being in the black site very long because they're not going to live out that long. <laughs> they have soaked up some major rads. It's over. It's a done deal. Uh, you know, maybe if they're lucky, they'll just grow a couple extra eyes and arms or something weird. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the whole ending is uh, is pretty ridiculous as far as all that goes. Uh, uh, you know, helicopters are not known for like their uh, their crash safety uh, gear. Uh, you know, everybody <laughs> is mincemeat. Uh, in that thing they're just pulped uh but let's get back into the fun stuff because i like to talk about the fun stuff instead of all the stuff that we hate about this movie uh, all right uh actually i like the end fight better than a number of the other fights uh a lot of the indoor fights uh especially once they got into like the the hardware store area and uh i, I didn't like the stuff in there because that's where it really got too dark for me to see I could handle a lot of what was going on in the uh, sewer between the, pred the Predator and the aliens. I could uh, handle a lot of stuff that was going on in the power plant. But, man, the the inside of, like, the, the school and beyond until they got into the hospital and started to get a little bit better lit was just a, a murky mess. And, like I, like I said, I read that the director wanted to go in the opposite direction of the previous film, and I respect that. But he went too far. Uh, we need to be able to see some of the action and enjoy it. I will give him uh, really good points on uh, filming all of this with it looked like almost entirely practical effects. Uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. played all of the aliens, including the Pred alien. Todd Woodruff Jr. is six foot two. Uh, Ian White, who played the Predators in the last movie, reprised the role as the wolf in this movie. 
and he's seven foot one. Nemesis, mm. this is one of the reasons the, the costume did look restrictive because this was a really big costume uh, to make Woodruff look bigger than white. As a matter of fact, in these scenes where they're fighting on the rooftop, uh, Woodruff is actually standing on like a three-foot platform uh, so that he can appear to loom uh, over the Predator when they're fighting. And they, they had to shoot in certain angles and certain cuts because if you see any, uh, any of the behind-the-scenes long-body shots, he's built like a uh, like a, a prison guy yeah you know, like he's got this huge upper body and then you see woodruff sized legs on this thing you know they're not in the proper proportion at all because he's got to look so much bigger than the uh, the actual incredibly large sized human in the costume that he's dealing with so there's that and taking that into consideration i thought they were very clever with a lot of those shots i actually thought a lot of the shots for the aliens were very clever considering they basically just had just woodruff in a costume most of the time uh, you'll notice a lot of the shots, you don't really see uh, full-body aliens most of the time together in the same scene. Uh, sometimes it's just like uh, Alec Guinness uh, working one as a, a robot, or he's got his arm in a sleeve, you know, and they're they're interacting like that. Uh, so they, they did some really clever editing, some clever shots to make Woodruff look like he's in a dozen places at once as the aliens are, like, swarming the civilians in the middle of the thing. And uh, interacting with both the uh, the predator and the pred alien, as well as the drone alien, so I gotta give them props on that for uh, for making do with what was probably a lower budget, but being really creative about it. And if you're gonna use darkness, this is another reason why uh, it helps it helps hide the fact that you are dealing with a lower budget. Uh, just a couple scenes I thought were too murky. Overall, I did like this fight. I thought there was a good reason for the pred alien uh, to kind of go at him handsy because. In the course of this fight, he has been losing his kit. He's lost he's lost his shoulder cannons. He's lost his converted cannon into a pistol. Uh, he's he's ended up uh, you know throwing away his shuriken. You know he's down to like his whip and his claws and his combi stick. And uh, eventually, like the the whip and the and the combi stick gets knocked away. So then he's just he's got to go mano a mano. He probably knows he's going to go off, and that's probably why he takes off the face. There's no, there's no reason to take off the faceplate other than to just be cool for the movie or you know, like to, to be kind of macho. But like this Predator isn't really about the macho. He's supposed to be about like, you know, doing the job. So I totally agree on that. Um, I do kind of like the way that he, even, even being physically overpowered, he at least pulled off a draw because he is so over-muscled by this thing. It's like... Uh, the pred alien fighting the predator is a lot like a human fighting a predator. You know, like there's just no way you can really take it on. Whereas like we had demonstrated with Schwarzenegger punching one out and then it's just getting the crap kicked out of him. Uh, but I, I still had to hand it to him for like doing some major damage when all he had is his claws, you know, pulling out the inner jaw, you know, spiking him up through the brain. And then like in retaliation, this thing pins him through the chest. So in my estimation, uh, the wolf actually ended up winning, even if he died at the same time. You know, when you're fighting an unequal opponent and you can do that much damage, you're still the winner. Uh, one other thing I liked about this, I, I didn't think to mention before because we were talking about things but we hadn't seen before, and I'll make this brief as well. Um, we actually, because one of our problems was with the last film, we didn't like that we weren't really seeing the aliens and the predators do some hunting and stalking tactics. Now, this is something else that we see from the aliens in this film. The Pred alien is actually showing off his intelligence. And to, an, uh, to a slighter effect, we see this from the drones as well because they are following his lead. 
when the uh, predator fights in the uh, sewers down below, the predator alien just doesn't charge out like a big dumb monster. He's actually lurking <laughs> below the water to jump up and smack him while he's engaged. He'll do this a number of times through the film. He'll take advantage of his surroundings to get the drop on the predator like a good ambush monster would. I love the uh, the sort of the recreation from the Predator movie where like the Predator's walking on the logs and Arnold's like clinging to the bottom. So what do we get here? We get a Predator walking across the catwalk and he's being stalked by the Pred alien uh, down below the catwalk. He's, you know, he's climbing on like a spider taking advantage of his environment to uh, nullify his range advantage with his plasma casters and things like that. Uh, even calling in at one point, uh, when he gets in a little bit of trouble, he even like calls in a drone uh, who like catches the wolf predator on the side to take him out of the picture, and then like he ends up going down the uh, going down the elevator shaft and things like that. It was nice to see these things. I, I think this director really saw this stuff. Is like, I want to do better in this last movie. Here's all the stuff I didn't like. He put all that stuff in there, but we can all agree. He didn't mix the ingredients well. He had he had the ingredients for something cool. He didn't mix them well, and you guys are so spot on. I did think it was a great little teaser to see Utani, because we never see Utani. And to my mind, with uh, Bishop being dead, Bishop Wayland, this is where Utani aggressively merges the two companies. But it would have been really great to see that from the beginning. And then we could have had that follow through. That could have been a through line for the whole film. And then we might have actually gotten the next film to really see how this comes about. Well, the look on Yutani's face felt like to me, it was a Sarah Connor backstory where she knew mm -hmm. about these things before anybody else and nobody believed her. So she either formed her company or she took over another company because she said, since somebody believes me, I'm going to be the first to commercialize, capitalize, monetize these things. Mm -hmm. and that's already an interesting story. Already interesting. But like Steve said, we're never going to see it. All mm -hmm. right. Uh, we're going to call it there because we've definitely gone long, but we did took a deep dive in all these things. And again, I have to give Jeff major points for, I think his arguments are very, very solid. I don't agree with all of them, but I think they're well put together. But the, the thing about it is, uh, and see, I can admit my bias because this is the way I am about Batman. I completely admit bad privilege, and I understand why it makes people <laughs> mad because Batman should not be beating Darkseid. I love him, but you no. Know, I get why that angers people. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I could definitely understand where Jeff is cut. Oh, Lord, did we lose him? Uh-oh. <clears throat> so yeah. I can definitely understand where Jeff is coming from. When you have something that you love, or it just it just ticks off to all the right boxes for you, and and so I definitely get it. Uh, just this was just not my cup of tea, and like I said, for me the measures always repeat playability. Do I want to watch it again? Whatever, watch it again? Uh, no, just just no, just no, nope, nope, nope. The bad right, part so, about Jeff is he all the way going? What happened? Did he just yeah. drop? He dropped. I don't know. The bat predator got him. There he is. <laughs> hey, man. There, there we go. You got away yeah, from the predator. Yeah, the, yeah. the iPad finally died on me. <laughs> okay. So I want to thank my co-host for this thorough discussion. If you are a fan of this movie or if you're disgusted by this movie, we still love to hear what you have to say. So come find us on Twitter. Give us some feedback. Leave us some comments below. 
this YouTube video. We definitely like to hear from you and definitely take a chance to check out the other shows we have on United Capes Podcast Network. So thank you so much, Nemesis. Uh, no problem. And uh, yeah, click like and subscribe to the channel down below. Uh, I spent $3.99 on this movie so I could talk about it with all of you. So give us some love. So. <laughs> thank you so much, Steve. Uh, thank you. I, I think Nemesis uh, sacrificed himself for our sin. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, but I would also say, like, uh, this is definitely one of those examples where, you know, even if we don't agree anything, we, you know, we're all still friends and we all understand where we each other come from. And we can all have a reasonable civil discussion about it. And I can definitely can see uh, where Jeff is coming from, even if there are like points that I have issues with. So um, this is the kind of discussion that every so often it's nice to have. And this is always how the geek community was, folks. Mm -hmm. Okay, all that other stuff, those are, those are people from outside. This is always how we were. We can disagree or agree vehemently, passionately and lay out our points. And we would all go out for a slice right now. I wish these dudes were in Chicago. We all go out right now and have the pizza. But anyway, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, everything you said was extremely well presented. So if I had well, a hat, thank you. I, I, I'd give it to you. <laughs> uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. you have a bias for Batman. The, uh, the Alien franchise in particular is, uh, even with all the bad movies that are in the franchise, there's something that just I'm constantly drawn to the, the idea of this creature. Uh, so I dive into it deeper than probably damn near anybody else on the planet. So I have my own bias and uh, knowing that I was going to enjoy this film more than the rest of you tonight, I really leaned heavily into it and it was nice to actually have uh, argument, counter argument, and as opposed to us often sounding kind of like we're all in the same mind. And uh, I appreciate the chance to argue back and forth with you guys for a change. And okay. Hey, Twitter, this is how you do it without <laughs> having to cancel anybody. You took the words out of my mouth, folks. And on that note, thank you again for tuning in. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Sloppy Spoilers.